What up, my Hanyaks? Welcome back to the Rambling Viking podcast slash Blessings from Tragedy, however you're listening to this. Uh, this will first release on Rambling Viking because Blessings from Tragedy is not up and going at the time of recording, but I realize you may be listening to this down the line, and that's what you'll be listening to. Well, I won't belabor that point, though. Welcome to another Blessings from Tragedy episode where I sit down with my cousin, Billy Paul Simpson, and we discuss his life-altering injury and miraculous recovery, where, um, or spinal injury that he had, few, you know, five-ish years ago as a senior in high school. And um, it's a really, really powerful story of, you know, how perspective can get changed, but changed for the better and how your purpose can get broadened because we can be so narrowly focused on one single aspect of life and have our identity wrapped up in that and then you know in one instant that can seemingly be taken from us and our trajectory that we thought our life was on is totally changed and that's what happened with him it's an incredible story about overcoming challenge and uh, i appreciate him being willing to come on and talk about this but it was a fun conversation it's a long one but it's good because we spared no detail and diving into some of the hard questions surrounding it. But it's an incredible story. I hope it's an encouraging story to you, and I hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, here is Billy's Blessing from Tragedy. Well, here we are. What's up, Billy? How's it going, bro? Pretty good, man. So you are now my third person in the last week who this is their first podcast. So yeah, I'm pumped about time. that. I'm pumped about that. Getting a lot of first timers on here, really excited about that. How, how did you feel? Are you nervous? Uh, not really. So I spoke at a church yesterday about kind of about my story and testimony. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was kind of pretty nervous for that, but this is more of like a yeah. In front of a congregation is like there's pressure a little bit, right? Yeah. But here it's just you and me, and people and are gonna it, listen to it. It being a conversation too. It's mm-hmm. like you know you ask questions, you give me prompts, and that sort of yeah. thing where I can you know just kind of flow. And right. So. Versus like, hey, you're going to go up and talk for 10 minutes. You need to prepare your, yeah, get your stories set up, get it, get it lined up and like be very buttoned up. And, and those are good. Don't get me wrong. But right. being able to just like sit down and hear that kind of the raw, the rawness of it, the realness of it, not having to like cut stuff out or clean stuff up is, I don't know, it's good. And I like this too, because I can like, you might have questions like the audience mm-hmm. and like I usually do open up for questions at the end, but like you can ask questions in the middle. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of times when I am speaking, people might have questions and I wait till questions at the end. And then at the end, they may forget their question versus yeah. this. Like I'm going all from my perspective versus like, you know, you have questions mm-hmm. here and there. I can really just dig into well, those And too. people are afraid when people are in a crowd setting like that too, a lot of people have questions, but they don't want to, they don't want to speak up. Right. Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. That's where this and, and two, what I get inevitably when these episodes happen is, um, I'll get like messages from people who listen and they'll give feedback that way. And a lot of times. And so, and so that's really cool because then it allows the audience, those listening, yeah. if it connects with them or whatever, they're not necessarily announcing it publicly in front of a group at, that say, you know, you were speaking at, but they can text me or message the show and be like, Hey, really like this. This was awesome. And then, yeah. And so there's been a lot of good feedback that way. Cause then people are able to, people are willing to be more open, but anyways, for let's sure. uh, let's let's get to this thing. So, to just brief kind of background about who you are. For those who don't know, we're cousins. Yeah. Uh, so we grew up <laughs> together and just down the road. So we know each other a little bit. But tell people who you are. Yeah, Enid and Cushing. Um, and so I grew up in Cushing, Oklahoma. It's you know it's eight thousand people, small wrestling town, mm-hmm. football town. Um, my grandpa started wrestling in Cushing in the '60s. 
Um, my dad was a little kid. And so I grew up like wrestling was like the center of my world. Like that was. Dude, um, your whole family. <laughs> yeah. My dad, I mean, cousin wrestled at another cousin on my dad's side wrestled at OU, another one at OSU. Um, I mean, several state champions in my family. Mm. And then my dad wrestled in high school, uncle. So like wrestling was like the center of like what I was going to do when I got mm-hmm. older. And it, I mean, in a way it was like not an option of if I was going to wrestle, but like when I was going to start, how good mm-hmm. I was going to be and how I was going to, you know, kind of compare to, you know, cousins, brothers yeah, and that sort of thing. So you're always not only competing against people you're wrestling against, you're competing against like your family in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, that was probably the center of my life until I was 18, 19 years old, you know, then you kind of get on your own and you yeah. start figuring other things out and there's more to lot realize more that's life. like a tiny aspect, tiny of life. aspect. <laughs> like people think the first 18 years of their life is going to determine like everything about them mm-hmm. and they get so caught up in this and that and, you know, picking the right career, the right college, the right things, classes to take in high school, the right person to date, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, how much has changed in your life since you graduated college? Like, oh, I'm a, I'm a decade out now and I am in so many ways, a totally different person in plenty of ways. I'm the same. Yeah. Obviously you can tell by my fun beard I have. I forgot I had that. So I just <laughs> said that. And I, I, cause I just, I've only had it a week, but no, even for me, the biggest change was from like 24. Cause I feel like 18 to 24 was more or less the same, a little bit of growth. But I look back 24, the year I got married, um, to now, and I'm like, I'm a totally different person. And so it's crazy. But yeah, and, and then you go even further back to when I'm 16 or 17, and it's like, dude, oh my gosh. Like all the stuff that I was obs- obsessed with and worried <laughs> about and thought about. And it's like, man, it, it's not even a... It, I'm like, I wish I had those problems back. Dude, yeah, <laughs> same. And... I mean, and even like the last, so I graduated college from ORU mm-hmm. in 2022, so I mean last fall or last spring. Yeah. And so I've only been out of college for, you know, seven, eight, nine months. And so it's like new to me, but I feel like I've grown so much, mm-hmm. learned so you're living on your own for the first time and oh, not yeah. around friends, kind of a, like a foreign environment. Mm-hmm. I, you move to a new town yep. and yeah, you get to know people. Um, but kind of going back to how I grew up, I've never, I mean, growing up, I went to a private school until I was a sixth, seventh grader. Uh, now you're going to public schools for wrestling. Mm-hmm. So went to a small called Sunnybrook Private Christian School until I was a seventh grader. Only reason I transferred to like public school was for wrestling because okay. they didn't have any sports there. And so I was like, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I, wrestling's been everything. And private school education was important, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that kind of made that change. Also living in Cushing, the school was in Stillwater. So it was about a 45 minute drive every morning. Oof, that's brutal. So yeah, we had a Prius. So, so. <laughs> one question I do have related to that, cause like our, we didn't really have anything like that. Um, that environment, as far as like where, you know, wrestling was like center to your family life uh-huh. in a lot of ways. And so deeply ingrained is, did you ever, was there, did it ever feel like growing up or now looking back where you were like, you felt almost pressure or was it like you were too innocent and young to even understand maybe the, like the pressure of like, you're going to wrestle and like, I need to be good and, and comparing yourself and like being in well, the shadows of your cousins and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It was never a comparison. I, I think I was kind of tricked in a way. I remember, <laughs> I remember when I was first out of wrestling, I was only allowed to go to practice. Oh. So I couldn't go compete. It's so oh. like for the first, like, but I, that was when I was like three, four years old. Yeah. So I'm going to practice and you can't compete till you're like six. Uh-huh. So I go to practice for three years and I'm probably not like actually practicing. I'm probably running around, you know, looking up to the older guys yeah. and just laughing. 
Um, and so, but it was like, man, I love this. I want to compete. It was like, fun. I, yeah. I fell in love with it mm-hmm. from like a young age. And like, yeah, it was like kind of, I guess you could say pressured or just like more directed. In yeah, that no, no, direction. no, I'm not saying like, yeah, pressured isn't pressured into doing it, but like, because wrestling is so big in your family, yeah. it's almost like a, there's like a weight with it. Cause you're like, not, not necessarily that I have to wrestle, but like in, in since with that wrestling comes like, you know, I don't know how to describe it. Like there's just a pressure to perform. Maybe. I don't know. I never, it doesn't sound like like you have that. No, I didn't think I ever had that. Like really compare Mm -hmm. in a way you did, but Mm -hmm. I, my brother might maybe cause I'm oldest too. Right. So you were the first one in your immediate family family to go through it. And so I'm sure my little brother maybe does more comparing, you know, his accomplishments to mine. Cause that's, that's your direct correlation. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and to my cousins, I more just looked up to them, right? Versus like they're like you're like they're, they're awesome. They're the I want to be like them. I want to mm-hmm. be like them. Um, and so yeah, that was growing up till seventh grade. And then I and what was your main question? Did I answer that. No, question? no, you answered it. You answered it yeah. perfectly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I you know I transferred to Cushing. I start wrestling for like public schools, and that was like that was a huge trans like transformation in life in mm-hmm. a sense of like I'm around all these people who know the gospel they're christians they're you know i never really heard cussing yeah. that sort of thing never mm-hmm. heard like perverted jokes and now i'm in this environment where it's a lot different you know public school public <laughs> yeah. boy like yeah. high school locker room talk mm-hmm. really was like an eye-opener like and, you only play they only play christian music over the last yeah, yeah, and, yeah you know and then you go to public school and it's like whatever learning, man. learning new words and <laughs> No, I and get it. Repeating mm-hmm. them and yeah, just I mean, in a way though, trying to be the light, but I honestly mm-hmm. didn't feel like my faith at that point in life was like yeah. center like like tied down enough to be in that environment. Okay. Um so I would say that was like a which honestly like, no way I could have known that, I guess. Right. Because to me there was a certain point in my life where it's like I didn't really comprehend or understand what that really meant. Yeah. Until I was like at the very earliest, a freshman in high school, and even then it was like still not super great you know like yeah 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 and my my didn't understand it until i was like 22 right that's when it like came alive to me mm-hmm. and so you know i'm a seventh grader you know your mind's being shifted by the people you're around the culture mm-hmm. you're living in um but back to wrestling started wrestling for cushing i was i would say probably one of the better kids on the team yeah just because i grew up in it i was competing you start anything at three you're you're gonna yeah you're gonna be you're gonna be be a little bit you're probably gonna be better yeah yeah right (laughs) yeah i was definitely one of the better kids um Mm -hmm. on the team uh but was that a surprise at all were you like did you come in and have any expectations well one thing i remember that was super surprising was i wrestled this kid who was a freshman in high school but we were the same weight he may mm. have been a little bigger than me, mm-hmm. but I remember like wrestling him in a tournament and beating him. And I was like, that was kind of like a point in my life. And I was like, wow, I'm like, I'm good at this. Sport. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, I'm like he, you know, I, I didn't mature until I was like a freshman, sophomore yeah. in high school. And so he was like, you know, already matured. He was mm-hmm. strong. He was like, had facial hair. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I, <laughs> I know what a razor is. Yeah. <laughs> you still sound like a middle school girl. Like, yeah. <laughs> <you're>... <laughs> and I, I beat him and I was like, man, this is like. Like I'm, I'm good at this sport. Like this mm-hmm. is, this could be something I could really focus yeah. on and do for a long time. Um, and then so there's, a, there was a lot of change in the sense of like, my dad's no longer my coach either. You know, mm-hmm. my whole life growing up, my dad was my wrestling coach. Now I'm on this public school, high school wrestling or junior high wrestling team. I got a new coach. I'm in new friends. You know, you're starting to like be attracted to girls. And so yeah. like a lot's changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
it was good, you know, and I kind of started setting goals, wanting to wrestle in high school, realizing that this, you know, was something that could, I could have a future in, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, and I was like a, I was a straight laced kid in the sense of like made good grades, tried to do my best, right. be a good person, that sort of thing. But I was still like more focused on wrestling than mm-hmm. like I went to college to, to wrestle. That was yeah. like a point whenever I graduated high school, I was going to wrestle. I didn't go into mm-hmm. a lot of people want to be a doctor, want to be a lawyer, want to. <laughs> be a nurse, do yeah. all these great things. I was like, I just want to wrestle and I don't know what will happen next, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that's how I grew up. I had th- two or three siblings. I had two sisters and a brother, second oldest. Um, and so that was, uh, and that was fun. I wouldn't have wanted that any other way. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. grew up with siblings too. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, definitely. No, like I, not hating on only children, but a house as much is it, just alive. When it's it's very like, like you got to get a minimum of two, but really, like I think that third kid is changes the dynamic. It and you mixes get to things four, up, and then you get to four, and it's just a madhouse, and it's great though. Yeah, that's I yeah. And but so, you learn so many life lessons that you don't realize until you're now older and on your own, and you start interacting with other people. And like one of my favorite things is, um, is like certain people and i'm like oh like did you grow up with siblings do you have siblings and like oh yeah i have three and it's like this is why we get along and versus like sometimes it's like no i was only child it's like that explains that and it's not always a bad thing necessarily right there are plenty of good only children but in general there's something about that dynamic of having multiple kids in a household that like i don't know it helps you i think it helps you later with just social interactions and kind of like a little bit of I don't know. You, you you appreciate things in life a lot more, and just biting at the bit. Like, yep. it's you're competing all the time mm-hmm. for front seat or yep. what, like whatever it may be. Like, it's always a competition. Mm-hmm. You're always trying to outdo the other mm-hmm. one. And so, I was second oldest. I was oldest boy, uh, older sister, younger sister, youngest brother. Mm-hmm. And so that was also like a fun dynamic. I remember my sister got her license and driving us around, and. And I, I don't know, I grew up like super normal life. Parents yeah. together still, mm-hmm. three siblings. Um, my parents, you know, never had a want, always yeah. had anything we wanted or needed in mm-hmm. life. My parents, my dad's a chiropractor, mom's physical therapist. So mm-hmm. I didn't grow up in like a like a tough life. I never really felt like re- never really felt like I had like a challenge, a trials mm-hmm. that I was going through. Right. Which in a way may have like my faith, like my walk with God, it may have like in a way, like stunted it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? When you go through trials, when you go through hard things in life, like regardless, it grows your faith. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or and does one or destroys it or it grows. It really mm-hmm. tests your faith. That's a better way to say it. Right. Um, and so in a sense, there's good things to either side if you grow up in a hard life or a great life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say that was kind of something I never really noticed until I got older. It was like, man, I never had a want, never had a mm-hmm. need. Um, but I had these goals, um, going back to wrestling, of wrestling in college. World Championship, Olympic Championship. I went to every Tuesday, Thursday growing up. We went to Oklahoma State, practiced over there. John Smith, two-time Olympic champion. Mm-hmm. He's leading these practices. He knows me by name. Yep. He's coaching us on the weekends. Like It was like it was very intense, very just like high-level wrestling. Uh, you know, thought maybe I'm going to go wrestle for him. Maybe I'm going to go wrestle somewhere else. Um, get to high school, and freshman year, I... I go to nationals called Fargo, mm-hmm. North Dakota. Go there. I get second at nationals. Um, I think as an eighth grader, I got third. Freshman, I get second. Going into my high... So this is a summer before my mm-hmm. freshman year. And I go into high school, you know, on top of the world. will break my foot freshman year. Mm. Don't get a wrestle. 
And so it's just kind of like, man, like kind of that dream of being a four-time state champion yeah. out the window, gone. <laughs> like what's yep. next? I'm just going to focus on three. Have foot surgery, uh, wrestle again that summer. Too good. I don't think I even placed at nationals that next year. Uh, if I even went, I definitely went. Uh, sophomore year, come wrestle once again. I think I was like 30 or 38 and two or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wien regionals. I'm like the second seed at state. Get the flu. Don't go to state. Don't wrestle. Dude. Another day of like trial issue. Whew. So I'm like, all right, now I'm going to win two in a row. <laughs> and I love, I, I, love, just I like, love the mind, mindset shift. The raw, like there's no, the, the unwavering attitude. I'm just like, <laughs> I can't win four in a row. I guess I'll just win three in a row. No, I can't just do win. three. I'll just win two in a row. Like that's, that's, that's something else. Cause a lot of people, I tell you, a lot of people have that happen that young and that early in their career. They're like, Oh, it's over. Like what? And it shatters. What's the point? Yeah, no, it shatters their confidence. And then they, their mindset goes like, Oh no, I don't know. Am I even good at this? Can I do this? And you're just like, nah, I'm just going to keep, keep going. Right. And yeah. My goals were never like, like I, I remember in like, you know, when I was young, like I want to be a four-time state champion, but I feel like when I was there, my goal was never to like win state that year. It was mm-hmm. just like focusing on like, like getting, like just being a better wrestler overall, yeah. not even like, like, yeah, of course I want to win state. It was like, I want to be the best wrestler I can be. And mm-hmm. I want to like kind of focusing on that, honestly, like the college level yeah. in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and you go, you know, 35 and two as a sophomore in any sport in high school, like you're, yep. you're ahead of the game. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, and so I was kind of honestly just like maybe too focused to looking at the future. Um, but then going into my junior year, I'm thinking like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be a two-time state champion. Mm-hmm. I think I went that year, like I was 30 or 40 and one or two mm-hmm. 40 and one maybe going to the state tournament um one like a few i don't know big tournaments whatever go into this the regional tournament win regionals i beat the number one seed in the finals go to go to the state tournament so i'm like seated number one i'm supposed to get yeah. first uh get in the semifinals with a kid um and I want to say I was better better than mm-hmm. him, but I got beat. So not that, I guess not, not that match. <laughs> yeah, not that match. I wasn't better than him. Got thrown on my back. I'm down five zero. End up losing the match like ten to two or ten mm. to three. And it was that was probably that was probably one of the most like like I would say up to that point in my life. I mean, not really going through a lot of. Mm-hmm. I never had anyone like lost anyone, but that was probably mm-hmm. like one of the toughest like moments of my life it was well, like it sounds like you were pretty consistent and you were you were used to like oh i just win i'm better and, and then you have your first say bad match right? yeah i mean i don't i i don't i don't want to take anything away from him you right know what i mean right, like right, he right. out there he went out there with a game plan yeah. uh threw and me he executed back, it right executed it won the match like applaud him mm-hmm. in that sense first time getting thrown on your back but though, yeah it's like it's it is you know you get put in a tough situation like ooh. you gotta you gotta be able to know mm-hmm. how to fight back mm-hmm. and it's um, like they say everyone's Everyone uh, has a plan until they get punched until in the mouth. Until they get punched in the mouth, yeah. <laughs> and that was you getting punched and, in the mouth. And I was. I wasn't even, like, in that sense, too. I wasn't even focused on that match. I was focused on the state championship, mm-hmm. right? I was focused on the finals and winning yeah. that next match. Well, get beat. I remember I went in this tunnel and just, like, cried. Yeah. For, like, 45, an hour and a half, maybe. Mm-hmm. I just, just sat back there in my wrestling singlet and just, like, I just I didn't know what to think. I was like, mm-hmm. man, it's... It really felt like it's over. Like yeah. your life was ending. I'm 17 years old and I lost in the state finals. Now my life is over. Like mm-hmm. just 
like we were saying, you know, you think everything matters in that moment when it's like, man, I'm only 17. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember going to the hotel that night, uh, like talking to one of my better friends and just being like, all right, well, like you, you got to come back. Like mm-hmm. you, you can't like you got beat time to, you know, t- you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and go back and you'll know, get third because the mm-hmm. next best thing. Um, so I had to go back, lose some weight, um, come back that next day, end up beating just a few i don't i don't remember the kids but i remember i wrestled really hard won my next two yeah. matches got third and this time i'm really thinking next year <laughs> yeah. next year i'm going to stay like yeah. no doubt i don't care who's in my way who's mm-hmm. in my bracket like i am i'm ready to go right mm-hmm. you, that's three years in a row with you know something first two years were something kind of like extraneous like out of your control yeah. and that third year was like oh maybe i just wasn't you know, I was, I was, yeah. I was looking ahead and so yeah. you're like, all right, this is it. This is it. And even those, I mean, I don't want to say it was out of my control. And I guess it was in a sense, I mean, it's like, all, you always could have, it should have, was I eating healthy enough? Right. Was I training mm-hmm. this sense so I wouldn't get sick or, or mm-hmm. could I have competed through with a broken ankle and still, right. you know what I mean? You always have those or should I have been more prepared? There's always mm-hmm. something you could have done, but there's something, sense, but, but then something else could have happened, right? At the same exactly, time, something exactly. could always happen. And it's just like, okay. So. Yeah. And so pretty much go in senior year, guns a blazing. I did pretty good at nationals. I don't think I placed again. I ended up beating a kid. I think who got third mm-hmm. on the front side, but I ended up getting beat out. Uh, and senior year of high school, I'm the kid who won my state tournament. Uh, the year before, still in my weight class. Okay. Uh, and so yeah, I'm kind of looking at him. Mm-hmm. That's who I'm going to be competing against. And then there was like a sophomore junior from kind of our competing team, Tuttle. And this kid was pretty tough too. Tuttle's good wrestling. Yeah, wrestling their Tuttle's really too. good. Mm-hmm. He actually, the, so the other kid, he ended up getting second that year. But he was, uh, he's actually the heavyweight at, not heavyweight, maybe 197 at Oklahoma State. Oh, okay. And so he was, he was too, the, those two kids in my bracket were, the one of them started Oklahoma State right now. One of them started OU right now. Dang. So they were some. It was, it was a tough way, but I was very just focused on winning. I was like, and that's something you know that that loss in the semifinals mm-hmm. back in you know 2017. That was like a fire. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was working harder. You know, there was always something. You know, I felt like I could do more, and I was just like, you know, when you lose a big match like that, you just it's, it burns a new fire in mm-hmm. you. Um, and I thought about that moment a lot and even to not, I wouldn't say to this day, but I would say throughout my sophomore year of college, I like thought about that moment and different things. But so leading up to senior year, I'm thinking about that. I'm competing. I'm doing pretty well in wrestling. Um, and I would say I was taking it more serious than I ever had in my life. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, through high school, I did take it serious, but it was more, a lot of times in my life wrestling, it was like, my dad, did you do this? Did Mm -hmm. you, did you go lift? Oh no. Okay. I'm going to go lift. At this point, senior year was like, my dad was like, you know, have you lifted yet? And he was like, yeah, I already lifted. Mm-hmm. Like, I went on a run this morning. Like I was truly like loving what I was doing and I wanted to be the best and kind of had like had a point to prove. You know, mm-hmm. I go in, think I'm going to be a four-time state champion. I got third one time <laughs> and, you know, like I, I wasn't doing what I thought I was going to do mm-hmm. and what I knew like I had the potential to. Yeah. Go to senior year, sign with Campbell University. It's a small D1. Kerry Colat was the uh, head wrestling coach. He was mm-hmm. like a several-time world placer. Um, got second, a few bronze. Um, and so I, he was a stud. Like he is someone you look up to as a young wrestler. 
And so like, that's where I'm going to go wrestle, sign my letter of intent, November, and then senior year, uh, I was undefeated. I'd won a few tournaments, and I was just like, like every day in practice, I was practicing harder than I did the day mm. before. I was doing more like running, lifting weights, trying to eat healthy. Like everything was truly like, this is like, this is the last year. You know what yeah. I mean? This is like, nothing's going to stop me. Like mm-hmm. I break my ankle again. I'm wrestling through. Like I don't. Right. Like, Tape it up. We're going. Yeah. Like <laughs> it was, it was a different mindset. Well then December 22nd, 2017 in wrestling practice, wrestling a kid I grew up with, uh, one of my you know, better friends throughout high school and even just, you know, adolescence as a mm-hmm. kid. And I land on top of my, the crown of my head. I'm completely paralyzed. Uh, my C3, C4 vertebrae, they smash together. That disc in the middle goes into my spinal cord, and I'm, I'm laying on the mat um, three days before Christmas, motionless, unable to move. Mm-hmm. And that was like, like, I remember the first thing that went through my head, like when I hit the ground, and just like praying, like, Lord, like, like don't let this be permanent. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah. I need you. I need mm-hmm. you. And then um, I remember like, the, the paramedics come in my parents come in or they you know they call my parents my mm-hmm. parents get there they actually end up i think beating the paramedics there <laughs> and they start you know looking at me they put like a neck brace on put me on the stretcher they drive me to ou medical and uh it was kind of crazy I, I honestly had never really thought about this until until now in a way but like i remember being in the hospital bed thinking that night because we had this this award um, and I got it my junior year. I'm going to get a drink real quick. Yeah, you're good. So actually, um, finish, finish talking about this award real quick, and then I want to kind of circle back to the incident. Yeah, so this award was, it was called the Iron Man Award mm-hmm. or the Granite Award. What it was is no matter how good or how bad you are at wrestling, all you have to do to win this award, and our coach made it like the number one award to win. Mm-hmm. Like He said, I'll be most proud of you if you win this award. All you had to do was show up to every practice. Oh, wow. You couldn't miss a practice, and you had to wrestle at every practice. So if you mm-hmm. showed up and you were feeling sick and you didn't wrestle, like you, don't get, you can't miss a oh, minute of wow. any practice. It was like kind of the, the point mm-hmm. of the award. And I, I, don't remember, I, know, I know a few people got it my junior year, and I was one of them. And so my goal my senior year was like, I'm going to get the Granite Award. Mm. And I remember even before I thought like, oh, I'm never going to win a state title. I remember the thought went through my head like, I'm not going to win the Granite Award. I'm not going to mm-hmm. win the Ironman Award. Mm-hmm. Like I'm. That's like, gone. That's, that's gone. A, and, that, and, that, and that kind of award is a point of like, it's kind of a point of like personal pride and showing that, yeah. like, that like you have that discipline to like, you're going to show up every day. Right. And that says yeah. more about a person than winning a title really does because it someone, does. especially, I mean, in wrestling, there's a lot of skill and learned skill and like in technique, but in plenty of sports, it's like the most talented kid can show up and not work at all and beat everyone out but it's like showing up every day and working and participating is is a lot more it's going to build a lot more character mm-hmm. too like mm-hmm. that's where character develop, development happens you know it's mm-hmm. in in wrestling too you'll have kids who win state titles and because they were plainly the most athletic and they mm-hmm. knew how to wrestle a little bit they've been yeah. wrestling for three or four years and they're an athlete yeah so they go out there they win a state title or they make it to the finals mm-hmm. this though was like in a way it was it was something everyone could do mm-hmm. but not everyone did it like, right but it was still extremely 90%. hard to do extremely hard to do but everyone could do it. all <laughs> okay. you gotta do is show up you gotta yeah. practice you don't yeah. have to work hard you yeah just you gotta just show gotta practice. up and be at practice you don't even have to be the best wrestler you can mm-hmm. lose every single match mm-hmm. and so it was like a, it was like a pride thing like mm-hmm. man i'm gonna do this that's cool I'm gonna though win. i like that yeah and so it was like a goal when i was there like i'm gonna i'm gonna get the granted award and i remember being in the hospital that night 
And I know they had practice on the 23rd. And I thought to myself that night, like, like I'm not going to get the Granite Award. Like, I'm not going to get the Ironman mm-hmm. Award. I'm not going to. And it was, it was kind of like, like that, I felt like that was almost like, in a way, like a bigger deal to me than winning yeah. state. Because um, things happen. Things that happen, you know, like my junior year. Got right. Thrown on my back and sophomore, whatever, it's state and that can, kind of things not panning out. Um, and so anyway, circling back around. Yeah. So, I was, <laughs> um, I, I want to I want to slow down and kind of go a little bit more play yeah, by yeah, play yeah. on the incident itself. So you're at practice. You're you guys are what are they? Do they call it second, sparring or second, you just second wrestling? practice of the day? Yeah. Yeah. So it was an afternoon practice, and mm-hmm. we were so it was actually the end of practice. We oh, wrestled. Okay. So we had first practice was like mm-hmm. technique. Mm-hmm. After you know, you go eat lunch, hang out. Second practice is. Uh, yeah, like we're wrestling live. Okay, like it's so it's like, like live, go going at it, and wrestling. You and your longtime friend, and mm-hmm. was it like a moment where he got you, or you were just doing a move and like something went wrong? No, so we were doing these drills. It was like ten second goes, mm-hmm. and you started on your feet, one person in front, one person behind. And oh, you're yeah, trying to get an escape. Ten seconds. I've seen those. Yeah, yeah, and that's mm-hmm. all you're trying to do is just get away. Um, and they're trying to return you. And I, it was a three man group, and I was behind someone, and I remember like I just remember like. In the moment too, like the go few goes before, I was just like, I was just competing. I mm-hmm. was competing hard, and mm-hmm. it was like a lot of times in a practice, second practice of the day, it's probably the last couple workouts we're gonna be done, and I'm like, I'm just like, I'm going from start to finish as hard as I can. So you're and, like in the zone, basically. About yeah, it. in mm-hmm. the zone, like, and yeah, we're it's wrestling live, and what happens is he picks me up like from mm-hmm. behind, mm-hmm. kind of like step hip. Um, picks me up in the air and goes to return me and I go to do a move that I've done like several times. Like, mm-hmm. I may have done it that day. Mm-hmm. It's called a Granby roll. You okay. kind of come down um over the top of your head and just roll into like a make it a scramble. Yeah. Much. So they're going to return you. Instead of landing on your feet, you're you're trying to make it a scramble. Give yourself a chance. Because you only got about 10, maybe it was 15 second goes. Okay. And so I land. I'm looking that up. So the Granby roll. <laughs> And it's, yeah. it's just called a standing Gramby. So okay, there's a Gramby roll and then there's a standing Gramby. Okay. I was trying to do a standing Gramby. Seeing David Taylor, state or stud mm-hmm. of a wrestler, you know, do it. Seeing all these guys do it. I'd done it before. And I just, I honestly just kind of landed a little different on the top mm-hmm. of my head. And it was just, that's when, like, I remember hitting the top of my head and just everything just going numb. It was like lightning Dang. struck me. Yeah. And I was just like, I remember laying and like my arm was kind of underneath me. I thought I like broke my arm or something mm-hmm. it was like every, the whole world like paused yeah know? um and so that was so you were just you was going 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 and all of a sudden it was like still it was like and, still mm-hmm. it was like i could only feel like my cheek on the on the mat like, i couldn't feel anything mm-hmm. i just couldn't like and i didn't even try and get up it was just like what is going on and i didn't pass out i was like conscious the whole entire mm-hmm. time huh um and I remember, did you so like when you landed, you only feel your face. Did you like try and like get up or move your arm? I think I may have tried to like move my head, but it mm-hmm. was like I couldn't. Yeah, I just couldn't move my head. And so is that? Oh, I'm just curious because I've never talked to someone who was paralyzed <laughs> and, and and like experienced paralysis in that sense. Yeah. But uh, so I'm I'm almost just personally curious is like going from feeling to not feeling. Like I have like I've like you know, scars and stuff that are kind of numb and, and parts of my body where I've injured myself. But I don't know. Did you even realize like you were paralyzed? It, it just felt like, you know, like when your arm falls asleep on the yeah. couch and like, you just like, you're like, 
you can't move it. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's what it feels like. Put you through your whole body. Oh it's my like gosh. put your put your so like do this with your knuckles. Yeah. Like one finger, oh, and you, yeah. can, you can lift that finger, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, do not do not do your ring finger and put your knuckles down. Oh, and you can't. Yeah, like you, you can't. feel like you should be able to. Yeah, you. It's like I want to lift that up, but if you can't, you do it with your ring or your mm. pointer finger. You uh-huh. do it all day. Oh, you do your ring f- finger. You you have no. Okay. It's like I should be able to. For those listening, it's like fist on a table, and you put out your you point put out your index finger, and you can just raise and lift it with your knuckles on the table. Then you do it with your ring finger and try and lift your ring finger, and it doesn't go. Yeah, that's great. Okay, okay. Doesn't, that's that's kind of what it felt mm-hmm. like. Um in the moment and i right. someone i think told me that when i was in rehab and did did uh did i mean did people know did like your coach and stuff basically respond they, instantly yeah and, so they both saw it i guess mm-hmm. uh, it was mike carmen and uh, lad rupp and they immediately like they i remember talking to uh coach rupp after and he was like i saw it happening and it was just like whenever you see like mm-hmm. like a baby falling off a couch oh, but you yeah. can't get there in time and you're just like oh no yeah you're just like an oh no like this isn't good mm-hmm. it's like you just see it happening mm-hmm. um and so he, they both rushed over to me um and like they got everyone into the locker room kind of got everyone away from me within probably like the first like 30 seconds uh-huh. uh and i'm laying down and i'm like i start hyperventilating yeah and i remember like my coach uh, coach Rupp came over the top of me and he's like uh your body is just reacting so you don't hurt yourself any worse mm-hmm. he's like that's why you're like this like this isn't okay permanent. like i remember like very like emphasizing like everything's gonna be okay mm-hmm. and i don't even know if you remember saying that or if he even <laughs> said or if it was just like god being in my right. ear too of like hey like positive thoughts positive thoughts like and coach carmen just you know laying over me and i asked him to pray for me mm-hmm. and he prayed for me and uh it was just like that was and i was like I didn't know what the next steps were, but I remember mm. after him praying and after like me praying, like that's when like I started having like a peace. Yeah. Like, cause it's crazy. Cause everyone asked me about, they're like, man, how did you go through that? I can't imagine <laughs> crazy enough. I like, I don't know how to explain it, but like, it was like the Lord gave me a peace throughout the entire like process of being hurt and getting better for the first like year. Philippians 4, 7, that's what happened. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, yeah. guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It was, mm-hmm. it was, because it was like, man, if I heard the, a pastor say once, you know, if, if weakness or if dependency is the goal, weakness is our advantage. Right. And it's like, if we wanted to be dependent on the Lord, weakness is where you find dependency on the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's a whole other topic. Yeah. So Philippians, <laughs> it starts in, you know, uh, six, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, Sur- will guard your hearts yeah. and minds in Christ Jesus. Surpasses mm-hmm. all understanding. Because it does. It's mm-hmm. like, I, I can't explain it because like, I feel like I get more, like I'll get more nervous or anxious. I don't want to say I'm anxious, but yeah, you know, about something at work and like, that's a way bigger deal being laying on a pair, like on a wrestling mat when you're 18 Mm -hmm. paralyzed, your whole, your whole, like the center of your world just kind of stopped. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. man, I like, I was like, man, I forgot about wrestling. It was like, I was thinking about, am I ever going to walk again? Am I ever going to run? Am I going to feed myself, go to the restroom on my own? All these things. Yeah. But I just, I just had this peace. I was like, everything's going to be okay. And I remember thinking when I was on the wrestling mat, I don't even know if this happened. Like I remember thinking like, is my toe wiggling? Like, trying to wiggle my, like, left toe. Yeah. And I was, like, I remember, like, being, like, my left toe, like, I'm able to wiggle it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could. Like, I had my wrestling shoe on. Yeah. And I even remember asking my coach, like, hey, can you see my, like, my toe moving? And I remember him looking at it. 
And looking at me, he's like, "You got your shoe on. I can't see." I think it was a way of him saying like, "No," but yeah. he didn't want to like. Well, he he was he was trying to deflect from that because the most important thing was just to keep you calm, keep you from freaking out, and like because he, I mean, he 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 knew that something bad had happened, but he didn't know the extent, and so it's like you don't want to sit there and in that moment be like, "I think you're paralyzed." Like that doesn't help the situation. <laughs> no, yeah, that would no, no you that would not have been a good thing. Freak out, panic attack, and make that worse. It's like no, no, no. Just keep you calm. Like that's beside the point. So good on him. Sounds like he handled it like a he, champ. They but, did. They mm-hmm. both did. Both my it was Coach Carmen yeah. and Coach uh, Coach Rupp. Mm-hmm. They did handle it like some champs. So you get but, to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Hour and a half drive. They couldn't life flight me. Weather Ooh. was too bad. So you had to drive that whole way. So you get yeah. to the hospital though. Uh, your parents are there. Um, I mean, shoot, and I don't remember when exactly we found out, but you know, everyone, in the, all the relatives heard and stuff, and so word, yeah. word kind of got out. But uh, you know, walk me through, like, what's going on at the hospital? So, what are you thinking? What's the next, you know, forty-eight hours look like? And even I, I, I honestly pass up on this. I don't talk about this a lot, but like the mm-hmm. drive over there was, I would say, the worst part really? of it because it was like I could feel. Like every bump in my shoulders, oh. it was just like my nerves were mm-hmm. just like going wild. I couldn't move, mm-hmm. and like if you touched me, I couldn't feel it. But there was something about my nerves. Like anytime Getting, we hit a bump, it was the, just like the jarring of that. You know, your spinal cord everything has, has just been traumatized, and so it's like yeah. So they're it was firing like pins huh. and needles, an hour oh, and a half. Geez. And the paramedics, it was actually, it was crazy enough, it was one of my babysitters growing up. Bro. It's just small town Cushing, <laughs> Oklahoma. Like, one of my babysitters is a paramedic. And so I know her. Her name was Emily <laughs> Hauser. And she's just like, she, I mean, she's talking to me. And I, I'm like, you got to give me something. Like, give me yeah. some, I don't, like, I don't know any medicines. Just, but like, this is bad. This is painful. I remember like mm-hmm. screaming oh, all the way wow. over there. And she. Were your parents in the ambulance with you? Or were they driving No, they, they were driving behind. Okay. I, th- I think be. I don't know if it's because I was 18 they couldn't. Or yeah. Maybe they could have. Sometimes. I'm sure they could have because it was a small town Oklahoma. But, but it was probably smart of them to drive so they had a vehicle. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, that whole drive over there, my wasn't able to have any medicine because the she was still like a paramedic in training. So she oh. couldn't give me any medication. Dude. And so it was that was like the worst part, mm-hmm. like was getting to the hospital. I get to the hospital. 30 doctors like surround me mm-hmm. and nurses and they just start like prod me with stuff. Can you feel this? Can you feel yeah. that? Put an IV in me and just start like pumping medicine. And that's when I remember like the pain started going away. And mm-hmm. I remember like, like some people coming into like my, was, like my girlfriend at the time, mm-hmm. my mom, my dad, siblings, right. cousin, Kyler, uh, Austin. And just like, they're all talking to me. And I remember I was like making jokes. Like I was like, I <laughs> you that were, was high you, on you're, something. You're flying high, huh? I was. I was flying high. And I remember like I couldn't eat. I couldn't eat or drink anything. Yep. That was yep. that's brutal. That's one of the hardest things about a lot of hospital stays is like you can't dude, you got a limit. Dude, and like my limit was nothing. My they, like they like the limit for me was you can't that was probably the second worst part was yeah. not be able to eat or drink anything because um it was right on my neck. And so mm. they, uh, you know, 12 hours before surgery, you're not supposed to eat or drink anything. Yep. They didn't know if I was going to have surgery that night or in the morning, mm. but it was going to be probably one of the two. CAT scans, x-rays, say we're going to have surgery in the morning. Okay. So I'm not eating or drinking anything. And I remember like, I, I was also cutting weight for wrestling. Oh. So I was like, you were <laughs> two practices. I go through this whole wrestling practice, no water. So I'm like super thirsty. Mm-hmm. I've had anything to eat or drink. They all they could give me was like a sponge with water in it. I could like suck the water out. And I was like, well, and technically too, you're getting rehydrated through the IVs, but it's but it's awkward because it's dude, not going oh, through it's your not, mouth, right? Dude, like when it's not like when you know 
H2O isn't touching your tongue. It's just, <laughs> dude, it was brutal. My so, mouth was so dry. So what have you, so at this point you find out you're going to have surgery. Yeah. Have you been given any more information as far as like, hey, you're paralyzed or yeah. like, hey, did they tell you like, okay, this is what happened for sure. Like your, your, your C2 and C3 smashed. And I would say I didn't even know until mm-hmm. like weeks after surgery. Yeah. I mean, my parents. I your parents probably got months. that. My Prob- parents got the information. Mm-hmm. It was like first diagnostic was like, Hey, he's things are only good. He's probably not gonna have any recovery. Uh-huh. This is like, as a medical professional, this is what we see mm-hmm. happening. Parents were always just like, "Hey, everything's gonna be okay." Like, yeah. we believe in a God that's bigger than this. Mm-hmm. Was kind of the emphasis on it all. And so, going through, you know, I I, I didn't know. Like, I didn't right. honestly, I didn't really like. For some reason, I didn't really care. I was just like. I just want to eat and drink. I was, dude, I was so hungry and thirsty. Like I remember, I remember my cousin Kyler coming in there and he was, I'd asked for like a Snickers and a yeah. Coke. Yeah. Like a van- I think it was vanilla Coke. Mm-hmm. Like that was what I wanted, like a Snickers or vanilla Coke. I didn't drink vanilla Coke. I didn't, I, I drank Coke. I hey, never had, had a vanilla Coke. Severe neck injuries and you're but, like, yeah. dude, you need to change things up. Dude, that was all I wanted. And I remember he comes in there and I'm like, Kyler, and like, I think my mom had left. I was like, hey, he's like, there, do you need anything? I was like, yeah, can you get me like a vanilla Coke and a Snickers? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah. And he may have went and got it, or he was going mm-hmm. to, and my mom, like, like he told my mom or something, and uh, that's whenever he, like, she was like, no, he can't eat or drink anything. <laughs> but, like, dude, that's all I cared about. Like, you take mm-hmm. food away from someone and yeah. water, and, like, you start dehydrating them and, like, take it, and I, like, taking their food away. Yep. That's all you want. I didn't really like. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you want to walk, and I was worried. I wasn't but worried. It was so immediate, and you were just like, "I just need food, man." I like, just and get... we can figure out the rest from there. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, I was ten pounds down, Ooh. like wrestling wise, and then another mm-hmm. probably lost three or four pounds in that practice because mm-hmm. it happened at the end, last ten minutes of practice, yeah. five minutes maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd been in there for two hours, and so that's kind of where my mind was. Mm-hmm. It was like, "Get me food, get me something to eat, drink." Well, then I had surgery the next morning, the 23rd. Yeah. And so they go in there, they uh, take the C3, C4 vertebrae, or not vertebrae, disc out, mm-hmm. um, fuse those vertebrae together and just kind of stabilized everything. So it wasn't like going, you know, nothing would fall out of place. Yeah. And because what they, they could have like not stabilized it. Because I know that some people have the same injury as me. Mm-hmm. They don't stabilize it and they just like hope it's going to heal back better yeah um with mine though they're like we're definitely going to stabilize it or my okay. parents made that decision mm-hmm. uh and so you know they stabilized it and so that next morning i'm thinking like after surgery it's like you know 5 p.m and i'm thinking like all right like i've had surgery let's eat and drink like yeah. give me some food like that was like that was what's all in my mind like <laughs> it was crazy it wasn't even i wasn't even focused on getting better at this mm-hmm. point and well, since I had neck surgery, my esophagus had like swollen shut, not oh. shut, but mm-hmm. too dangerous to be putting like food in drinking and that sort of thing. And like you have to pass like a swallow test. Uh-huh. So I still can't eat or drink that night. Dang. Um, and that's on the 23rd. Go to bed that night. Wake up on the 24th. And uh, they come in there, do like my swallow test. Uh, it was like the speech therapist. Come in there. Like I drink some water um eat some applesauce and i like start coughing at one point they fail me can't eat again dang it so now it's the 24th i haven't eaten since the 22nd and i'm just like man i remember she came in there like four hours later she was Mm -hmm. supposed to and so like it was just like it was like demoralizing in a Mm -hmm. way like man i'm laying in this hospital bed i've been eating in three days i have a catheter like that part too like i haven't used the restroom in three or four days i've had a shower since i've been in a whole sweaty wrestling practice Mm -hmm. 
just like all like this is like this was probably like the worst of the worst of the worst. Okay. But I saw this like piece, and it was just hmm. like I saw this piece of like everything's gonna be okay. Well, yeah. Was it just okay? It's yeah. it's I think too in these like like the Lord like helped me focus on like like little steps. Okay. Let's just learn to eat. Mm-hmm. Let's just let's just let's just figure out a way where we can drink water through a straw without choking. Mm-hmm. Let's just figure out a way where we can go to the bathroom without having to use catheter. Like mm-hmm. these little steps. Twenty fourth. I failed that test. 25th, there's not going to be anyone in here. It's Christmas Day. Yeah. There's not going to be a speech therapist. That's not like a Lazy bums. Nurses work on Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that was, I, that's what we were told. And so I'm like, man, the 26th, the next time I get to eat. So on the 24th, they put a feeding tube. So I have a feeding tube oh. now. And it was just like things, it just felt like things kept getting worse. Yeah. And it was like, man. Um, that's and gnarly. I remember a Do verse. they like have to sedate you a little bit for the feeding tube at all? No. You just, <laughs> I wish they would have. I wish they would. I remember the nurse who did it. His name was Dylan. Like, I was, dude. <laughs> I do. I remember the nurse, Dylan. And then I remember another doctor who was in residency. His name was Hunter. Mm-hmm. And man, Here, here's cool. a twist. It maybe was a good thing that you couldn't move your body because. Dude, I couldn't. I'm yeah. Because on one hand, it's like, if I feel like I had to get a feeding tube and I could move all my appendages, I'd be, like, struggling. But, like, Dude. I maybe uh, wouldn't be fighting back, but, you know, you, you just want to, like, oh, like, flex up and, like, tense up and, like, <laughs> fight it a little bit because you're just like, oh, but it's like, I can't move. Dude, it, that, and it was crazy. It was funny, too, because when they were putting the feeding tube in my nose, mm-hmm. the words they were saying to put the feeding tube in is, swallow 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 like, uh-huh. swal- so like so you can swallow yeah. the tube and be in your stomach and i was like man i just passed it i just failed a swallow test don't <laughs> yeah I, thanks. Like, like don't tell me to swallow <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh so i take that get the feeding tube well then on that night then so there's not gonna be one in here on christmas mm-hmm. the 25th that night um they did an x-ray before i went to bed to make sure the feeding tube was like in my stomach just like in the right spot mm-hmm. whatever uh so I go to bed that night. I'm woken up at like two or three in the morning and doctors like rushing in. My parents come in there and they're like, hey, like got to have emer- emergency surgery. Um, there's been like a complication. So whenever they put that feeding tube in and they did that x-ray, yeah. they noticed on the x-ray my right lung had collapsed. Oh, shoot. And so they had no idea. Like there The whole was time. The, no idea. And I, that, that may have happened when I first got hurt. Uh-huh. That may have happened. I don't know. I'm guessing it happened when I first got hurt and when I was like, uh, when I was hyperventilating, oh, okay. I don't know if that can cause your lung. To mm. I don't know. I don't know anything about or maybe it. Maybe just like stress on the body right. is what caused it to happen. But my right lung had collapsed and it had been collapsed for probably two or three days or however long. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like one of those things, like a miracle where if I would have passed the swallow test and then I would have like not had that x-ray of to see if the, the feeding tube was in my stomach. Yeah. They never would have x-rayed my lungs, never would have seen that my right lung had collapsed and they wouldn't have caught my right lung had being collapsed until I got to Craig on January 4th. Dude. So I would have went like two weeks with a right lung being collapsed, having no idea. Whoa. And so it was like, it was just one of those things where God was working. Mm-hmm. Like even like when you didn't see it, like, man, like why is this happening? Yep. Like, one thing after another. And I would say that was probably the moment Whenever like they saw my right lung had collapsed, and they put the uh, the drainage tube—I don't mm-hmm. know what it's called. There's a term for it, but they put that in, went through my ribs, yep. and this was also like another miracle. It was just like I couldn't feel anything. So they say that's one of the most painful surgeries you mm-hmm. can do while you're awake is uh-huh. getting the—I can't remember the name—when um, your right lung or when your lung collapses. But that's one of those painful surgeries. It's just kind of another miracle. It's like, man, I can't feel anything. Yeah. So they, you know, they slice in there, they stick it into my lung, and 
they start draining whatever fluid or whatever happens when your right lung uh, collapses mm-hmm. and kind of started that whole process. Uh, the next day I wake up, still not expecting to eat, and all of a sudden this guy walks in, Pittsburgh Steelers hat, and he's like, hey, I'm the speech therapist. I'm here to do your swallow test. <laughs> and I, I'm not kidding. That was the best Christmas gift I've ever got. Like, <laughs> it, dude, getting and I went past the speech therapy test or uh, the swallow test, mm-hmm. and it was like, man, like things are getting better. Like, I can eat now. I remember they brought like biscuits and gravy and some apple juice, and I was just like, feasting best best meal you ever had best three bites (laughs) until my stomach was full because it was so like shrunken up and and i remember eating that and i was just like man this is this is this is paradise Mm -hmm. um and so i ate things started getting better um spent another like week in icu and then they made me do the trauma floor did you find the thing i'm still i'm I'm looking uh, and it's like it it doesn't say chest tube that's what it's called uh, just a chest it's tube. Chest yeah, tube. I was gonna say that's all I'm. That's all I'm seeing is a chest tube insertion. Chest tube insert. That's exactly what it is. Okay. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. Okay, that was simple. I wasn't sure. I was like, chest that's tube the insertion. Thing. I was looking for some cool word. I mean, a collapsed lung is a cool word. It's a it's a pneumothorax. Normal. Yeah, I can't say that word, but <laughs> it's just like saying pneumonia, but instead of onia, pneumothorax. Yeah, pneumothorax, and it's spelled the same too with a dumb silent p. So I'm gonna start telling people about pneumothorax. Yeah, you had a pneumothorax, and they'll be like, "What?" And they'll be like, "It's just a collapsed lung." But yeah. Anyway, um, so you finally get to eat. Praise finally God. get to eat, and that was like that was like a huge thing. And I feel like that's whenever like the healing really started happening mm-hmm. in sense of like, then I started focusing on like moving my knees, moving my elbows. Okay. Not even dexterity stuff, but like mm-hmm. just little things of like wiggle, like trying to wiggle in my bed, trying to move any Could you? sort of thing. No, <laughs> I mean, I think I, I think bending my knees was like the biggest thing. Okay, and like just bending my knees. I don't. I'm bending my knees and maybe like my left elbow. Okay, because my right side was way worse than my left. Oh, like even to this day, like I have more strength in my left side than my right mm-hmm. side because I think that that disc went into the right side of my spinal cord. Okay, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Anyway, ICU for another week. I get moved to the trauma floor at OU Medical. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when they started like trying to get me into rehabs and I get accepted to Craig rehab in Denver, Colorado, traumatic brain injury, spinal cord rehabilitation mm-hmm. center. Um, and I go up there and man, and, and just people were just so like, people think it was so bad, but it was just so like, it was nice because everyone there was the same as me. Yeah. Everyone was all like, trying to get back. They all went through something terrible. Yeah, and just you could relate with these people. Mm-hmm. You could be like, man, this guy got in a car wreck. This guy got shot. This mm-hmm. guy was in a snowmobile accident. Yeah. Like, this guy jumped in a pool and hit his head on the bottom. This guy mm-hmm. was at the beach and dove. And, like, just all these stories and all these people who are going through the same thing. And just, like, like man, we, we get so, like, dependent, like, on ourselves in the world. Yeah. And it was just, like, that was just, like, a testimony of, like, what community does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, and that was cool because the traumatic brain injury was on one side of the hospital and then all the yeah. spinal cord was on the other side. Okay. Um, and so it was cool because I was just like on the floor, it was like a dorm kind of where I'm on mm-hmm. the same floor with these other guys, like this guy named Sean and Jordan and Eric, uh, and all these just like guys who were just going through the same thing mm-hmm. as me and trying to get better. And, and there's something like, powerful in that. There I mean, is. That's why I there do is. this right here is because it's like, yeah, most people haven't gone through what you've gone through, but we've <laughs> all gone through something. And then there's some kind of com- camaraderie to be found. There in is. That. It's like, okay, we're all going through something. We're all trying to just get by. We're all trying to get through what we're going through. Like 
we can do this versus <laughs> if you were just like by yourself and, and you know trying to rehab it would be a exactly. lot harder exactly and that that was like that was so and i think that's why it made craig such a great place to be mm-hmm. and they even had like a like a rec center where it was like for anyone who's still in high school or under like 18 years old so like i had a community thing i went to on oh, tuesday nights cool. i think it was like maybe tuesdays and wednesdays mm-hmm. uh and we would like hang out and talk and chill and it was like probably like there's probably like 10 or 15 yeah. kids who were like young there mm-hmm. uh and i remember just like chilling with these people talking and me and this guy named eric he was the same age as me he got shot uh you know like a in a park and some guy tried to steal his car and mm-hmm. he like tried to drive off and the guy pulled out a gun shot him in the shot him in the chest or like i think it was through the oh, side yeah and, and it... took out part of his lung and hit his spinal cord he was a paraplegic uh and so like we're going through these things together and i just like i'm getting better like things mm-hmm. are like progressing for so me. real quick when you Let's went in where were you still like in a bed where did you did you go around in a wheelchair yeah because like you still you really couldn't move anything right so i could i could i could move if someone like assisted me okay so like if i was laying down and i put like my knee or like if i had to like lift my knee if i did it like against mm-hmm. gravity i couldn't but if i did it with gravity i could oh okay. you know what i mean like mm-hmm. in a sense of like if i laid my knee on the bed i could move it uh-huh but if i put it like up where yeah. i go against gravity i, I lift. couldn't, I couldn't no. do anything against gravity but so. so at this point though you had like this i guess the surgery went well and maybe some of the prognosis has changed from like you know, probably what they were first telling your parents was like, Hey, you need to anticipate mm-hmm. like he may never walk again or may never move again. Then you have the surgery, you go to this rehab and it's like, okay, you can do something. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was like what they call it in like when you are a spinal cord injuries, a complete incomplete. Okay. So complete spinal cord injuries, whenever you're hurt and nothing below the point of injury has any type of like, I don't want to say life, but like movement, mm-hmm. there's no feeling or movement below uh, your spinal cord injury. Okay. Um, incomplete is maybe like, yeah, you're, you know, C3, C4, but you can move your fingers or you mm-hmm. can move your toe. It's like, okay. you're an incomplete spinal cord injury. Mm-hmm. And so they don't really know. So like when they first diagnosed me, they diagnosed me as a complete spinal cord injury. Yeah. Well, then I get to Craig and they diagnose me as an incomplete spinal cord injury. Oh, interesting. And so I'm still like unable to do like eat a burger on my own or pick mm-hmm. up a drink. I mean, I could pick up like a cup and take a sip of water right. without a straw. Um, so I can do these very simple tasks, um, still wasn't able to like brush my teeth mm. or walk on my own or anything like that. Uh, but are they really hard? Is it really, you, it was, you really have to like focus and, or what? Um, yeah, like I had to, f- I wanted to focus. It was more just like the duration. Like uh. it was just like, I didn't have the, I didn't have the lungs to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, like, I remember there was one day in, in PT so I went around everywhere in a wheelchair. Like okay. I would go to PT in a wheelchair. I'd get up and I would like have to walk like three laps. Oh, wow. With like crutches, mm-hmm. being assisted, having like this belt on they would hold if yep. I fell, um, that sort of thing. And I would do like three laps and then I would take a break. Three more. And that was like an hour long. I'd like four or five different like sessions. Like one mm-hmm. was like a weight training where I would go and just like they would wrap these things around my wrist and I would just like move to get like, I don't know, build strength or yeah. whatever or do like lunges or anything like that that I was able to do mm-hmm. to build strength. And then there was PT um, and then there was like OT. So you had physical therapy and occupational therapy. Occupational okay. was more of like I was learning with uh, 
the sense of like brushing my teeth, learning to shave, mm-hmm. that sort of the more like learning to practical live. movements. Exactly. Living like with your disability in a way. And that was kind of like what they had planned for me when I first got there uh, may have been more of like, how can we help you live with mm-hmm. these disabilities? Because okay. um, some people like if you're an incomplete, mm-hmm. they may f- focus more on like getting you better. But if you're complete, they may focus more on like, let's just teach him to live so he can live a life on his own. Okay. And so I feel like occupational, like I was still learning and getting better, but I was still more learning like to do these daily tasks, say things didn't get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had probably four or five different sessions. Started at nine, got done at about three. And I was just like, I would work my hardest. Like I remember there was one day, it was like the first day of physical therapy or second, but I get up and I walk and, um, and then I come back uh and i sit down and my my pt is like hey do you want to go to the stairwell and this i remember this wasn't my main pt this is like my main pt girl mm-hmm. was like on vacation and was getting back the next week and so uh i uh go to the stairwell and i remember we go up the stairs and go down the stairs and she's like, all right good like we're done for the day good job and i was like i remember looking at her and be like no like, i can i can keep going yeah and i felt like that was like a, the sense of like i'm gonna get better mm-hmm. and because i at a certain point like you got to take things into your own hands like mm-hmm. and i could have as easily like sat down i was sweating i was super tired mm-hmm. but it was like man i ended up walking up and down those stairs like four or five more times before mm-hmm. like i ended the day and then i sat down i think i fell asleep in my wheelchair before I, my mom <laughs> even pushed me to my to my my bedroom uh-huh. but it was like that was like the determination that was where like the wrestling came in and mm-hmm. how i was raised and like giving it everything i had and that was like my mindset going into it was like i'm gonna i'm gonna give it everything i have mm-hmm. i'm gonna work my hardest um that answer your question yep. I what the primary question was mm-hmm. but so i get to craig i'm there for you know two weeks um they tell me um after within the first week i'm probably gonna be there for three to six months okay. depending on how quick i you know things start getting better Two weeks in, they tell me, they're like, all right, you're doing good. Like, you're mm-hmm. fine. Let's send you home. At this point, I'm walking around without a wheelchair. Wow. I'm like, or I'm going like maybe half days without a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And so they had still told my parents like that to buy a wheelchair, have our insurance buy a wheelchair. Um, and so we were kind of, you know, look, my mom was looking at that, maybe buying mm-hmm. a wheelchair for when I go back to, back to Cushing, back home. Um, but my mom kind of convinced them that we want to do, you know, at least two more weeks at Craig mm-hmm. um, in these facilities. And so I get moved to like an outpatient where I'm living in like their on-site apartments, but I don't necessarily have like a hospital bed, nurses, okay. that sort of thing. Um, and I'm still going to all my same like PT, therapy, hanging out with the same people, getting lunch with the same mm-hmm. people and that sort of thing. I'm just not having this much like nurse care. Mm-hmm. My mom's giving my shots in the morning. My mom's giving me my medication and that sort of thing. So what was your, um, when, they, when they basically were like, okay, you know, plan for like three to six months. I mean, it sounds like you were kind of in that same mindset that you were going into that year of wrestling where it's like, I'm just going to, I'm going to get it done. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to work my hardest. When they said that, what was your, what was your thought about it? It was like, my thought was like, okay, what do I need to do to go home? Mm-hmm. Like, do I need to be here for three to six months to go home? Yeah. Or do I need to walk to go home? Mm-hmm. Or do I need to like build a shave or be able to brush my teeth or eat a meal or drive a car? Like, like I'm a very goal oriented person. Uh-huh. I'm not like a. You know, if I can get the same job done mm-hmm. in two days, why would I take two months to do it? Mm-hmm. Right. And so that was kind of my thought was like, cause like, I remember when I was there, like being very ready to go home. Like okay. from the moment I got there, like I want to be back home in my own bed with my family, with my friends. 
and that sort of thing. And so, yeah, I would say I was more focused on like that being like wanting to go home, having those like, and so I guess that's like in those first two weeks, I told my mom, I was like, I'm ready to go home. Mm -hmm. Like, like, let's go home. And she was, my mom knew better. You know, we need to stay longer. We need to use this facility as long as we can. So we did end up doing that, staying there for another two weeks before I. So four weeks. Four weeks. I was there for in-person two, outpatient two. And then we drove from, uh, drove all the way back from Denver. And Mm -hmm. I remember my sister and uh, now brother-in-law drove my mom's car up there. Mm -hmm. like when we first got there. Uh, But yeah, and it was, it was quick. Like I got there and then I went home. Like, so was that like where, what was, what was, I guess the people at Craig's, their response? So the doctor, my main doctor, he was an atheist. So he was like, oh, shocked. he yeah. was super shocked. And my mom, like, you know, my, you know yeah, yeah. You know, Laura Lynn, she, uh, she let him know what her thoughts were. Uh-huh. Um, and so he didn't understand. And his kind of, his first, like his first response was like, I guess, I guess his injury wasn't as bad as like they thought it was kind of rationalizing like oh we just missed something this wasn't a bad this wasn't the injury we thought it was yeah even though they sounds like they did all the cts x-rays that you could right yeah they did everything cut you open and and they saw it yeah they yeah they did all the scans mris Mm -hmm. whatnot and he just like yeah i just don't think it was bad as Mm -hmm. we thought it was um my physical therapist and stuff they were just like they were shocked yeah because obviously my doctor doctor he only saw me i think once a week or so like he would come by and check in the hospital Mm -hmm. room but my pts they spent every day monday through friday with me my ot's every day monday through friday Mm -hmm. so they see me one day not being able to walk Mm -hmm. not being able to stand up on my own out of my wheelchair without help and then seven days later i'm like walking with these crutches not wanting help standing up on my own like doing just like things that don't make sense mm-hmm. it's like it was kind of like you know you start working out you get like those baby gains yeah. it was like that like i was just like i was getting <laughs> like so much better so fast mm-hmm. and so their response was just like they they couldn't it you know surpasses mm-hmm. all understanding right, right. Mm-hmm. and um for me it was just like i'm just doing my best yeah i'm just, I'm just working hard and um so i guess like how much of this when from your perspective is is related to um is related to like maybe God's healing versus uh, and, and how much is tied to, you know, that just kind of determined mindset of like, I'm going to get better and I'm going to work. Like yeah. I'm going to keep, I'm going to go literally as far as I can to my limit, you know? Cause a lot of times, you know, it's those plans are, it's like, well, here's what you can do. And people, not everyone's maybe has that same determination, but yeah, I mean, I would, I would kind of point it back to the book of James, mm-hmm. like faith without works is dead. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're not willing to put in the work mm-hmm. and like, you had you had do your best. You had you had faith that like, look, I I believe that God can heal me, and um and and, and at the same time He may not, right? But I'm gonna yeah. do I'm gonna do everything I can, and I'm gonna work my hardest, and mm-hmm. we're gonna see what happens, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was like I have faith, like not even that God can, that God will. Like, yeah, it was like God will heal mm-hmm. me. Like I'm gonna be better. Um, this isn't gonna be like something's gonna last forever. Yeah. and God just, I mean, maybe even God gave me that like determination of like wanting to sorry mm-hmm. open your computer that's what that sound was no oh, it doesn't matter um, but like god gave me that determination and like the faith to mm-hmm. believe right um and so like i i mean i don't want to say there was anything in my power that right. got me better mm-hmm. right like i'm not gonna 
I'm not going to get to get to heaven and say, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I'm getting in because well, I did this and that. Right. But, but I think it, it did play a part, right? Mm-hmm. The faith. Well, in, well, part of like the works, the works almost just are proof for your faith. Proof. Yeah. Yeah. It's yes, not, it's yes. not, it's not a supplication to your faith. It doesn't add to your faith. But it's yeah. like when you have that faith, it, you know, the simplest example is a trust fall, right? Someone can sit there and say, oh, I trust you. And you, and then you go to do a trust fall and they, and they step back with their foot and they catch themselves, right? Or they look yeah. or something like that. And what do we all know? We don't know. Oh no. And then they can still t- turn to you and say, oh no, I trust you. But you were like, no, I literally saw you step the back actions, with your foot. Yeah. You're, and so I know that even though there's, there's a disconnect from what you're saying and how you're acting, right? And same with faith. It's like, you can sit there and be like, I have faith, but then it's, you see how someone acts and it's like, you're acting like you have faith and it's like, nope. and then that's what it is, right? It's a proof yeah. of your faith. Yeah. And now, yeah. And so that's what it was. It was like the determination of like, you know, maybe all those years I wrestled and like worked mm-hmm. hard, cut mm-hmm. weight, went through all yeah. these losses and trials and tough times in wrestling, like is what prepared me for this, mm-hmm. like this trial. Yeah. You this thought, thing. you thought like state championship was going to be your moment. This was your, this moment. was the mm-hmm. moment. Like I knew how to work hard. Like I knew how to go into a mm-hmm. PT session mm-hmm. and keep moving and keep doing my best and ask for more yeah. for 60 minutes mm-hmm. without stopping. And even when they wanted to stop at 45 minutes, cause they thought I needed a break. <laughs> yeah. I could say, no, like I, yeah, I'm tired. I'm sweating. Mm-hmm. I'm like, like it hurts. But like, like I've seen like what hard work work does mm-hmm. since the time I was you know four or five years old. Right. Like I've seen hard work pay off. I've seen me going into you know Oklahoma City, Tulsa, mm-hmm. all these different tough wrestling practices, and then being successful that year. And I've seen me only going to my hometown, you know, wrestling, not going to the extra practices. Yeah. And not being successful, mm-hmm. like I've seen, I've seen what hard work can do, and I've seen what being lazy can do, mm-hmm. and like this really matters. Mm-hmm. Like this is this isn't like I'm gonna win state, or I'm gonna lose. Yeah. I'm gonna win a wrestling match, I'm gonna lose. This is I'm gonna I'm gonna walk or mm-hmm. I'm not. Like mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna spend the rest of life my life in a wheelchair <laughs> or not or not. Right, and you know it's like state championships are cool until you get to college and you realize half the people at college have state championships. And like, <laughs> it's right. a cool like ring or trophy or, or you know little thing you can hang on your wall to have on your wall in your house, but it's like this is so much bigger than that. So right? this yeah. is this carries you through. This is a testimony, and like this is you're like okay, so it really brings that in perspective. Yeah, and that's like kind of something too. Every time I share, I like to I like to talk about whenever I was going through it, and I I did I question God, like why mm-hmm. why is this happening? Why am I going through this? And it lasted till about like a year, um, a year after I was still like having the especially my freshman year in college. Yeah, because this is the first time like given in my life for I didn't wrestle for a year. Wow, like December to December was the first time like I went. Mm-hmm. longer than probably two or three months without going to a wrestling practice or doing something that was like applying mm-hmm. to wrestling. And so mm-hmm. now I've gone a year, which I'm sure I'd stepped on a wrestling mat and that sort of thing, but I'd never like practiced or had a wrestling match yep. within a year. And that was like, whoa, I was like, whoa. And so, was, and yeah. And then, so my freshman year, I really like, especially when wrestling like started up, I kind of like battled that. Like, like, why did I go through this? Why did mm-hmm. I go through this? Why am I ORU? Why am I not at Campbell? Right. Why am I not, you know, why am I going to the gym just to lift, to mm-hmm. you know, be What's stronger? What's the point? <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, and versus going to a wrestling practice to get better and mm-hmm. cut weight and run and, you know, push yourself, build that camaraderie with others because that's mm-hmm. something else growing up. I never had to worry about friends because it was always in wrestling yep. versus now I'm making friends at, you know, the, the hangout center. Yeah, student whatever. union, the BCM, hammer center, the cafeteria, is, yeah. the mm-hmm. gym. 
and it's like these friends that I, I just went to school and I like seventh grade when I went from private school to uh, public school, I automatically had friends because I was wrestling on the wrestling team, team. Yeah. versus now I'm like in this private <laughs> university and I'm like having to learn how to make friends, honestly, for like mm-hmm. kind of the first time in my life. Right. And it was like, it was difficult. It was hard. Uh, and I, and I, at the same time, I'm questioning what God, why did this happen? Mm-hmm. Like, cause I haven't seen any fruit. Yep. And I, when I was at Craig, I did in the sense of like helping people and like, I really like missed Craig cause it was like, I'm back being back. When I got back in February to Oklahoma, mm-hmm. I was still like what was your disabled. Status? Yeah. Yeah. Like I was in a neck brace. I couldn't drive. I can, I remember going to bench about halfway through February and I did like. I think like 95 pounds like mm-hmm. one time. Like I was like, and like before then I was benching 215 for mm-hmm. once. So I was like, I was weak. And like I went to high school, like I only went to one class to graduate mm-hmm. like that last semester. And we were like, people just like you know, kind of stare at me. Like I would like want to leave. So you get back and you go back into school. Mm-hmm. So you're able to move around for, and, and or, I guess give us, give us a, give us a, kind of a point on the spectrum where you're at you can walk you can move you can get around like you said your your strength is you know pennies on the dollar of what it was yeah um, but you can for the most part function i can function i can do all my daily tasks uh-huh. on my own as long as like brushing was your feet. stamina how was your stamina terrible that yeah. was like that and that was like what took some getting used to was you know i'm now mm-hmm. i'm i think the first two weeks i was back i don't think i went to like a like a high school class i just chilled at home all day oh wow and slept mm-hmm. and my body was still hang, like uh still healing mm-hmm. and i would go to physical therapy because my parents they owned a physical therapist center in uh, cushing so i'd go to the physical therapy i would do that for an hour and that was like that wore me out mm-hmm. that was that was the end of the day time to go home and sleep for the rest of the day and that was about two weeks when i first got home and then i got to a point where i was like starting to go back to class mm-hmm. and just one class every day. And through this too, this is kind of crazy through this whole thing too. I was taking like a college course, like during the fall, it was online oh, or during the spring. Mm-hmm. It was online. And I remember it started when I was at Craig. So I remember doing it. Like I am in this rehab center <laughs> on this MacBook. I just got doing a college class. <laughs> and it was just like, like, I remember doing it. And my mom, like, talking me into doing it but i was like i don't want to do this like, <laughs> right and it's kind of one of those things where like i was kind of like it was, it was probably the first thing i did that i didn't want to do since mm-hmm. i got hurt mm-hmm. and like i knew i probably didn't have to do but i remember like doing it and just thinking like these people i'm in this class with have no idea like, mm-hmm. like they have no idea <laughs> They're um, all just chilling at home, getting, you know, just regular, regular kids, doing regular kids stuff. And dude, yeah. And so that was like, that was kind of like a, like, all right, mm. getting back into the real world. And that's something else they did at Craig is you would wear, you wouldn't wear like a gown. You'd wear like jeans, clothes. sweatpants, a sweatshirt. Like you'd wear like normal clothes. So you felt normal, mm-hmm. um, which I think really helped like in the, like the mental side of things, Yeah, which was super cool. Um, but yeah, get back home and I'm going to you know, no classes for the first two weeks. Then I'm still doing physical therapy. Uh, then I start going to one class. It's like fifth or sixth hour right after lunch. 
And, you know, I go in there and I, like, I, I walk in. I'm the kid with the neck brace on. Yeah, the I was going to say, what, let's t- talk about, like, the dynamic of, of going back, right? And I mean, yeah, no one, like, wanted to, like, say anything or do anything. <laughs> but it's like, man, how do you not? Like, I, Right. I'm, it's like, it's like, hey, uh, we all going to pretend like I'm yeah, not in the neck brace and I wasn't just paralyzed, uh, like, a month and a half ago? Like, what's yeah, going on? <laughs> it's like, yeah. And so that was, that was hard. And so, so you almost wish people would have just been, like... Hey man, like how you doing or what? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I wouldn't want to be fake. Like I want to be right. genuine and like honestly, I would rather than yeah, just be like, dude, be like, so you broke your neck. Like, yeah. How, like yeah, be like, whoa, man, you're in like neck brace. How do you have? How, instead of being like, hey, you're totally normal. Nothing yeah, yeah, here. like just call like call out the elephant in the room is kind of how I would rather it have been. Uh-huh. And that's me. Some people probably yeah. wouldn't like that, right? But um, it was kind of just like man, I I was in an mm-hmm. English class where. <laughs> I knew all these people growing up yeah. and now I'm just so like you walked in and everyone was like, whoa. Yeah. So I remember I would get there five minutes early because mm-hmm. they didn't want me in the hallway the same time as everyone else. Yep. Just in case I got like bumped and knocked down. Mm-hmm. So my mom would like walk me in there, drop me off five minutes early and I would just chill in there, bell ring. And then I would stay like five minutes after mm-hmm. or I would leave five minutes early or mm-hmm. something. And my mom would come grab me mm-hmm. and I would go. Um, and so I mean, it was honestly just it. I felt like it more than like me going to class. It was more about me doing something normal. Okay, like that was the more important side yeah. for like my mental thing. It was like mm-hmm. getting back in the normal routine of doing stuff. Because mm-hmm. um, like even at a certain point, I think in March I was still wearing my neck brace, but I started going to an art class too. So I'd go okay. like fifth hour, I'd go to English. Sixth hour, I'd go to art. Mm-hmm. And I remember like this freshman uh he actually wrestles at north carolina state luke arberg and he his brother jake arberg is the one i was wrestling when i got hurt oh so luke arberg was in this art class i need to come back to that because okay or we'll need to touch on that at some point okay sweet sweet. his side of it um but luke so i go to this art class and it was luke did a really good job of making things like normal okay i knew luke since i was first grader like Mm -hmm. i mean since we were kids kids yeah and so he lived down the street you know we'd walk to his house me and kaiser my Mm -hmm. little brother uh, and then him and his brothers, Wes and Jake, would walk around to our house. We'd play Xbox and summers. Mm-hmm. So we were really close. Um, and so he did a really good job, though, of just making things like me feel normal. Mm-hmm. And it was just like kind of just like a touch of home in a way. Mm-hmm. And so that I felt like art class was honestly like better for me than English class because okay. I was back in this like normal mm-hmm. routine with a friend that like I've known my whole life that didn't have to make things weird. We had more in common than a lot of people in my English class. Mm-hmm. And so that was like, that was super cool. That was like a good part. Man, um, the one class, it's like, hey, you're going to start going to one class. Cool. What is it? English. God. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Yeah, I couldn't even type. I like, I couldn't even type. I was like, dude, it would take me. It would, I couldn't even open a straw wrapper and you want me to type an essay? That's a talk to text, man. Dude, yeah. Comma. <laughs> well, I did. So, so actually, when I was at Craig, they gave me a MacBook. I mentioned oh. that earlier. That mm-hmm. Yeah. For, I'm, I'm sure someone paid for it, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't. My family didn't have to. I'm sure the insurance. Yeah, I don't know that that's works. cool. Well, they yeah, they gave me a MacBook and they had this dictation. It was called like Dragon, mm-hmm. and so you would like talk into it, and it would like it was like Siri, and it but it was like super high like software yeah. developed, designed for this, designed for like people who are paraplegics. Mm-hmm. There's all different codes, mm-hmm. and I like I never even used it. I may <laughs> use it a little bit. I think I typed mm-hmm. maybe a couple pages on yeah. papers on it, and I like I remember I tried to use it in college, but I, by the point I got to college, I could just type it in my yeah. hands, my, mm-hmm. my hands a little faster. Um, so I guess I did use it for that like last semester of yeah of English class, but 
Yeah, okay. but anyway, you want to touch on... Uh, Jake, yeah, because, I mean, you're sitting there wrestling with your buddy, like you always do, and then this move happens, and then all of a sudden he's paralyzed, <laughs> and you were the one that maybe, you know, quote-unquote, caused it or the reason for it. And I'm sure you probably talked with him, or, I mean... Yeah, I, I mean, in during it all, we didn't really... I didn't really talk to anyone back home, honestly. I just more talked to my mom and Mm -hmm. the people I was at Craig. Because, like, it was weird when I'm at Craig talking to people back home because it's like, they're just like, hey, what's up, dude? Yeah, what are you doing? You're like, like, I went up up the stairs four times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I took Uh, off my neck brace, took a shower. But, like, maybe after the fact, did you ever, like... Yeah, I mean, I talked... I mean, I talked to him after. I I don't know, you know, his, like, kind of thoughts on mm -hmm. it. Like after, like I'm sure it did take a toll. Like you wrestle someone, they get paralyzed. Yeah. Like I remember, I was wrestling a kid, and I think it happened a couple of times where I was wrestling a kid, and they like broke their arm, and mm-hmm. it was like, man, I felt bad. I right. Like, like I remember my one of my better friends, Dax and Short, we were mm-hmm. wrestling, and he broke his collarbone. Oof. And like I remember, I was like a third, fourth grader, and I mm-hmm. felt like bad. Like man, I just ruined his season. And, right. Like, he's like one of my best friends, and now he can't wrestle, and mm-hmm. he's in pain. I remember screaming. And like I feel bad for that, and so I I couldn't imagine like what he mm-hmm. like went through, or if it was like yeah. you know played a toll on him at all. Do you ever like um uh do you ever like send him? I don't know. I guess did you have any contact where like it didn't yeah. sound like you you really talked to too many people too much when you're going through this. But I thought is like after yeah, were you ever like hey man like I hope you don't feel bad about this or yeah yeah because yeah, we worked out at like the gym when I got back mm-hmm. like he would always be at the gym and mm-hmm. we would talk and like I, I I think I did like ask him like man are you like <laughs> I remember one time he did kind of say like he's like man I feel like I like ruined your wrestling mm-hmm. career he's like he's because I remember he told me he's like hey, I don't even want to wrestle in college right and like you that was like you're gonna wrestle in college <laughs> uh-huh. and I was just like man like. I helped a lot of people when I was at mm-hmm. Craig. Like I got a medical difference, and God's kind of done this in my life, and it's I've grown a lot. Because mm-hmm. um, I would never want him to feel like it was his fault, right? Like, well, and because that's one of those things that just it just happens, right? It's it just like how are you- <laughs> it's a freak accident, mm-hmm. and I, yeah, I remember talking to him, and I I think maybe at the beginning, especially before I got better, it yeah, took a toll on him mm-hmm. of like. Like man, like if he never walks again. Like, what am I gonna? Yeah, like how do, do you even? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know what to do. Like, yeah, I, I almost feel like obligated to be like, I guess I will be his caretaker. Like, yeah, <laughs> I guess. Like, yeah, I have to, do I have to take care of this person? How does this work? You but, okay. wipe my butt. Well, it sounds. It sounds like though. I mean, well, you getting better obviously helped, but it sounds like that was still. I mean, that relationship was still intact, but like he he got through his side of that too. Cause that's, that's another side of it, right? To yeah. be on the kind of almost the causal end of it or just be interacting when someone, something happens to someone and you're just like, Oh geez, because there's that guilt. Yeah. And I, I'm sure they tried to keep it kind of, I guess you can't though, with, <laughs> you know, in a small mm-hmm. town like that, who was he wrestling yeah. and how did that like, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, I'm sure it did take a toll and he was maybe kind of how I was like the kid in the neck brace. He was yeah. the kid who hurt the kid. Right. It got hurt. Um, so you hope you hope you hope no one really like held it over his head or anything. I don't but, think yeah, I don't think but anyone I, did. Well, because I also think that that is so it would have been different. Like he broke your arm, you know, and it's almost like ah, it's broken arm. Oh jeez, it's broken arm. <laughs> it'll it'll heal, yeah. you know. And you can joke about it, but it's like this one. I, I feel like this was almost so severe that everyone was like, "Yo, this just happened," you know. I, I so I can't imagine anyone being like, "You did this or anything," right? You know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I definitely don't think anyone was like 
that mm-hmm. sense. Um, well, but, and, and I'm sure no, like no one in your family was obviously like that. I'm no, sure they were, yeah, not. right, exactly. And so that helps the most because I think a lot of times where you would see that is you'd see you'd see that almost vindictiveness or upsetness get directed from a member of the family or someone who's super close. So that's good. That's yeah, good. But. He, yeah. And I mean, I, I feel like I was even closer with all of them, um, like throughout and after it. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause like his, his older brother, Wes was probably my, one of my best friends, like, in, okay. Or in high school, if mm-hmm. not, maybe I probably, mm-hmm. probably my best friend in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I and mean, we hung out every night, that sort cool. of thing. And then Jake was like a year younger than me. Mm-hmm. Wes was a year older. Luke was, you know, three or four years younger and so and we were all super close super mm-hmm. tight uh but and it, it it was good though being around that um, yeah after you know the fact uh mm-hmm. but kind of where i was going off like mm-hmm. earlier while i was talking about you know why did this happen yeah like why did i like why did i go through this mm-hmm. and then i'm you know i'm in college i'm still asking those questions and it it dawned on me at a at a moment so you know i, I so you were gonna go to campbell Campbell, right? Obviously, the injury happens, and then that kind of just goes by the wayside. What was that yeah, conversation? That, that was like, I mean, I, I they still like said they would have honored like whatever scholarship uh-huh. they're gonna give me and that sort of thing. Where is Campbell? Go in there, be a part of the North Carolina. Oh, geez, yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's it's like twenty four hour drive, like God, yeah, it's way out. And there. you were just like, you know what? I think I'll just shift gears. Good old ORU. For those who don't know, our family is a bit of a history at ORU. Both <laughs> my parents went. I think, uh, and then like. My dad, who's your mom's older brother, like all of the all of the five siblings, they all went. Like it's yeah, and I think so far, what all of you guys have gone. Yeah, my right older sister, me, my younger sister have all went. Um, Is Kaiser wrestling somewhere? Kaiser, yep, CBU. Oh, okay. I was wondering. I was like, huh, CBU wrestling. Well, anyway, so that kind of shifts gear, and it was it kind of was it. I guess was there much. contemplation about like okay like i don't really want to go to campbell i think that's maybe gone out the window do was yeah. it was it just like so, ORU was next up or it, was it, it like do i go to college what's that look like yeah oh. it was i mean it was definitely i want to go to college mm-hmm. um because I, I i didn't never take like a just like the mindset was like man i'm gonna graduate high school yep college get better like right i just saw myself getting better quick mm-hmm. and um and even probably a year in i was completely healed but i would say by the time I got my neck brace off in March, I was like, you probably would see me and not be able to tell if I was like, having okay, a neck injury. Um, anyway, though, I uh, so I get back and I'm like, well, it kind of gets a little backstory too. It's for some reason. So I always thought I was going to wrestle in college. Yeah, like that was the goal growing up. Well, for some reason in the fall, before I even signed with Campbell, my mom like convinced me to apply to ORU. Okay, so I just apply to ORU. Like, did you even look at? Did you apply anywhere else but Campbell since you had that no, offer? No, I applied to yeah. Campbell and ORU. Okay. And I don't even, like, I applied to ORU. That's right. Because, I forget you have to, like, apply in the fall for college. I haven't yeah, done that yeah. in so long. <laughs> uh-huh. And so I applied for ORU and Campbell, mm-hmm. and those are the only two schools that I was, like, accepted in, I applied to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, kind of getting back, I was just like, yeah, I don't know, like, college is, yeah, it's forever away. It's in yeah. six months. Like I just gotta mm-hmm. learn how to walk right now. Right. When I got back, I gotta learn how to do this stuff on my own. Get this neck brace off. Blah blah blah. Uh, and so it was just kind of never. It honestly, I didn't feel like it was ever talked about. It was mm-hmm. just like assumed, and we all were on the same page. Of, it was just like, okay, who are you? I'm not Here gonna. Go. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna go to a college halfway across the nation just to go to school. Mm-hmm. Like in my head, especially when like 
I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. Like it was wrestling. <laughs> I was going to college to wrestle. So when was that conversation that you were, that you were never going to, was that pretty immediate that like, Hey, probably should never wrestle again. Cause you're a high, you know, high risk for re-injury or problems. Yeah, it was, it was, I, I guess, was, I guess it was so much so that it was like, let's just get you walking. Right? Yeah. And yeah. Then, it was never like a, I think maybe when I got back and got my neck brace off, mm-hmm. it was kind of like, Hey, you're, 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 should never wrestle again yeah and maybe you were maybe decided, like, like all right cool i'm better now maybe in six months i can maybe just you know yeah roll, hit the mat right and, yeah <laughs> and so maybe after i got my neck brace off we did have that conversation mm-hmm. if we did i don't really remember it mm-hmm. uh but i mean yeah from the first it was just like we just need to learn to walk like, yeah wrestling is by the is, wayside yeah it's yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's 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 very it's in the past okay um and so when i got my neck brace off i did kind of uh you know Maybe like went in there and wrestled with someone a little bit, but it was like, it was like, I don't want to say post-traumatic stress disorder, but, but like in a way it was like, man, if anyone like touches my yeah. neck or my head, I'm like, I don't like that. Yeah. Like, what was that like? Uh, maybe the, the kind of, maybe not even that specific mat, but like maybe the first time or even just like kind of going back on the mat being in, in a wrestling environment. Did you have like, yeah. was that, was that a little bit like a, almost like a reckoning? Yeah. So I remember in March was the first time I like, cause I, cause I went to fifth hour sixth hour fifth hour english sixth hour art seventh hour i started because i had enough energy mm-hmm. i started going to to wrestling practice mm-hmm. but just like watching mm-hmm. and i remember they were playing this like tank like this game of tag and i or no this was definitely in april because okay. i had my neck brace off at this point uh but i remember going back and like just like try i couldn't even run like i like mm-hmm. i run was just like a like a waddle like uh-huh. a like a skip almost and I remember running to jump from like, like the mats were separated, jump from one mat to the other and like hitting the ground, like kind of tucking and rolling. And I was like, I should not do that. Like that. <laughs> you were like, okay. Yeah. I was like, I might be pushing the limits a little, a little right here. Uh-huh. And that was kind of my thing at Craig too. They would be like, yeah, like don't get up and go to the bathroom without like a nurse being in there. Uh-huh. And I was like, I remember like just being like, man, I, I know I can do that on my mm-hmm. own. Like I, I know my own limits. Right. And like they were, they set my limits way back here. And I was like, Dude, I I can touch the stove. It's not that hot. Right. And uh, I remember there was one night at Craig where I did get up to go to the bathroom. And I remember waking up if my hands like cling to the, it was like one of those handle doors. Oh, okay. My hands cleaned. And I was just like, like my head was like against the door. And I, so I, I guess I passed out. Yeah. But, like I, my hands for some reason, like I was able to keep a hold of the. Fortunately, it was, it was it was a type of look. I passed out a bunch. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> run it runs in our family. Uh, and um, sometimes, sometimes you go limp. Sometimes your muscles tense. Yeah, and so it sounds like that's what happened. It's like you're fortunately tensed up and propped you up. Yeah, and so I just like I remember waking up and being like, oh man, <laughs> got up, went to the bathroom, went back, went back to bed, and I remember uh, it, this was a funny story. The next day in PT, my P, my physical therapist, mm-hmm. love her to death, but she was always like on me, like you can't mm-hmm. be doing this, you can't be doing that. Like, we'd be in the cafeteria and I'd be walking without my crutches, <laughs> getting a straw or some ketchup yeah. packets, and she'd be like, she'd be, she'd be like, where are your crutches at? And I'd be like, uh, hey, you <laughs> I know. forgot. Yeah. Well, the next day uh, I'm at PT and I get up out of my wheelchair, like go walk mm-hmm. and like grab something. She's, and she's like, like looks across the room and I'm like walk. She's like. What are you doing? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm walking. I'm walking. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. walking in. <laughs> and she looks at me. She's like, No, you can't be doing that. I was like, I literally got up and went to the bathroom on my own, <laughs> fell down on the ground, got up, finished going to the bathroom, went back to bed, and I'm fine. 
and my mom had no idea and they like i remember they looked at me and they were like they're like you can do that again we're gonna like like tie you down to the bed at night and i was like just outed yourself but like but like i think that's the reason i got better yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. like there's a certain what's what is it called where it's like people who break the rules people who mm-hmm. you know you push past yeah, yeah you yeah. push you push the limits and you look outside of the box and you mm-hmm. kind of like i knew my limits in a way where I, there were obviously like when I did run and jump on the next mm-hmm. one, I was like, I should be doing this. Yeah. Um, well, and it's, it's, so there's in general, like there's the mindset of abundance of caution because you don't want anything bad to happen, but then there's some merit in, in taking a little bit of risk and pushing your limits a lot. I mean, the easiest mm-hmm. example I can think of is like at the gym, right? We all have our mental limits Yeah. and it's just like, okay, I did like 10 reps and, and like, I'm really tired and that last one was really hard and you're like, I can't do anymore. And that's when you stop. But then there's the occasional time where it's like either a trainer, a friend, or just your inner savage is like, do, do one more. Can you do one more? And yeah. you do one more. And you just do that four times and you do four more reps and you're like, I had no idea I could do four more reps. Right. <laughs> right. And it's, it's the same kind of mindset is like, we set these parameters mentally and we stop ourselves when in actuality, most of the time we can go so much further than we realize, but we don't test those boundaries. Right. Exactly. But there, there's a, there's a healthy, there's a healthy relationship with that though. Like you said, like you went and you do that little jump and you're like, okay, whoa, like that's, uh, but that's where you find the most growth is kind of when you're playing with that little bit of risk. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. there's no risk, no reward. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that was, uh, definitely something like I learned throughout that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going back to like, what was your main question on that? It was something we were about, just talking about, um, ORU. your decision. Yeah. So you, you kind of decided to go to ORU mm-hmm. and you're like, all right, cool. So I'm gonna like, go to college. It's still a ways off. Like what's your uh I, yeah and you're, and you're like you you basically haven't even really thought about wrestling again but now you're trying to figure out okay i'm going to college my whole plan my entire childhood was to go to college and wrestle i'm not doing that i'm going to a different college what do i do yeah and i think too why i didn't like even give give campbell a second thought is like man i just had like a traumatic injury happen like i probably don't want to go across halfway across the yeah, world halfway yeah across the nation because you're because it's such a long the initial recovery was kind of quick but then like it's like with my dad and his hip replacements is like there's like a year or two the next year or two is going to be all the little like fine-tuning you know repair if you will yeah, right? yeah like you get the big stuff it's like the baby gains versus like okay i want to get strong versus i like i want to get shredded you know or exactly. like i want to be a good wrestler or like I want to be the best wrestler, you know, exactly. there's, there's a little bit, there's, there's another step to that. And that's the same in recovery, right? You can get the initial recovery and like the major motor skills, but getting all that fine tuning, that takes a long time. Exactly. Exactly. And so, um, that's when I like decided, I was like, yeah, definitely not going mm-hmm. to Campbell going to ORU, uh, went in exploratory major, like undecided, yeah. don't know what I'm going to do. And I was exploratory or undecided. It's like my second, second semester of my mm-hmm. sophomore year so the first mm-hmm. year i was just taking like whatever classes mm-hmm. I, my mom signed me up for like, yeah. I was just, like honestly like i was just like i'm at college because this is where my mom wants me to yeah. be this is where my parents said the next place mm-hmm. to go like they haven't led me wrong this far right like, this, this was why i'm here um and it was it was that was when it was like really questioning like what's my purpose like what's mm-hmm. the point like what's the point of being here what am I going to do in life? And like, why did I have to stop wrestling? Maybe I could go back and wrestle. Maybe yeah. that's like in the future. It's been a year, mm-hmm. year and a half. I've gotten a lot better. Like I've wrestled with people and mm-hmm. I, I, and it, it was a thought in the back of my head, but it was never like a serious thought. Like, a man, it, it, it was just, it was just 
part of that process of like yeah. figuring out what's next, those thoughts are going to come back, right? Yeah. And you're going to have those little exploratory things of like, well, no, well, all I've ever done is wrestling. So it's like, do I wrestle? And just, you know, kind of trying to literally <laughs> yeah. wrestling with that issue of like reorienting your life. Right. And so I was just focused, I guess, on getting stronger, getting my strength back. Mm-hmm. Running a seven minute mile was like something like a goal of mine. Mm-hmm. It's like I kind of accomplished a lot of these tasks and I started making friends at ORU. Mm-hmm. But I still had this like daunting thing in the back of my head. Like, why did I go through this? Yeah. Like, why? Like, why am I here? Why am I not wrestling? And it was like a year and a half later. It was like after my freshman year during the summer, mm-hmm. uh, we're in Tulsa and my daddy gets a phone call from a uh from a wrestler a guy kid i grew up wrestling with yeah and his mom called or maybe not his mom but like a family friend or one of their friends like they called us like hey so-and-so's in the hospital he had a mm-hmm. heart attack then he had a he got to the, they got him to the hospital he had the widow maker and oh like, no he's not gonna make it mm-hmm. like it's kind of what the diagnostic was like things aren't gonna be okay so of course we drive up there we go to the hospital there's like family and friends in there um i'm 19 uh freshman year just finished at college and i go in there and i'm like sitting on my phone playing a game or something mm-hmm. just hanging out uh my little brother and i remember i'm sitting in this chair and everyone's kind of talking i'm kind of like away from them i'm ready to go home like yeah like we showed up we showed our faces like let's leave mm-hmm. and you know like i probably should have been you know some type more sentimental but it was just mm-hmm. like man i'm ready i'm ready to go home yeah um and i remember his wife the guy who had the the heart attack his wife walks into like the waiting room and there's all these people that she knows mm-hmm. and she walks up to me and like i knew her but i didn't probably know her as well as all these other people and she points at me and she's like you're the reason like you're the reason i know my my husband's gonna be okay like because Whoa. of what you went through because of like your recovery mm-hmm. and how far you've came like i have hope like i have hope that he can survive the night and survive the day and we're gonna walk out of here and i was like like and that was when i was like man like maybe what i went through was bigger than me mm-hmm. like maybe i went through this not only so like i could have a story but mm-hmm. like so my story could help other people right and kind of like, kind of taking the focus off like you're sitting there saying why did i go through this what is this doing for me and realizing that like we go through these things a lot of times not for us not yeah. for our benefit this is this is this is as this is a testimony. This is a something anchor for other people to go through, right? And, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I, I love. Uh, I got real into a, a guy named Inky Johnson, okay. my freshman, sophomore, junior college, and he had a quote, and like I feel like this quote really applied to me. Is that he he would always say, "Some people need you to preach a sermon. Mm-hmm. Other people need you to live one." Yeah, and it's like mm-hmm. it means a lot when you 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 hear someone, yeah, I'll trust you, and then you do the mm-hmm. trust fall, and it's like they step back. It's yeah. Like, ah, like is what you're saying mm-hmm. actually like honest and truthful. And right. that was like, I would say that was like a moment when I was like, man, this is, this is bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And um, I had like talked a few churches and a few different things. Uh, and so that, I guess that's when I really started like having just like a bigger picture on it. And it was like, how can I ha- like share this story to help other people? Mm-hmm. How can I be a light to someone else? And really having like an outward focus of, it's not about me. It's about other people. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And so that, that, did that bring kind of that purpose that you were searching for a little bit as far as, I mean, yeah. at least in some sense, the it purpose def- of person, purpose of that happening to you, I guess. Yeah, it definitely did in a sense of like purpose and like why I went through that. Mm-hmm. And I, I started making friends too. Um, but it was just like, I started going to hospitals too. Like people yeah. would message me on, on Facebook or whatever mm-hmm. it was and be like, Hey, can you, you come 
talked to my son. He's in a bad car accident, mm-hmm. and this happened. And doctors giving bad diagnostic. I heard about your story. Will you come talk to mm-hmm. my daughter, my my friend? And so I was going to the hospital, you know, several times a year to talk to people who had gone through similar things as me, and mm-hmm. just give them like hope and mm-hmm. show them a, a video I made about a year after of my whole entire recovery. Uh-huh. And just be like, man, I went through this and this is how I made it through it. Mm-hmm. Like you can too. Right. Like, like we serve a God just bigger. Was than that, was ourselves. that weird to like start getting the math? Did, did you ever feel like you're like, like me? Like, I, I mean, I mean, on one hand you're like, yeah, I did this big recovery, but you're like, who am I? Was it was ever like, <laughs> like, like you want, I can help you. Like, I, I feel know. that whenever like someone asks me, like speak at a church. Yeah. You're like, like, man, like. <laughs> Me? Like you want me to get up there and talk about what I've done, right. how good I like that I when I talk to people in the in the hospital, I don't feel like that is more like a it's more mm-hmm. personable. Right. I can look them in the eye and mm-hmm. I can just like truly connect with them. Um and I like I do love sharing my story at a church, but I guess at the beginning I had that more of like a church, like, man, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know enough scripture to get up there and talk. I've done <laughs> way too much wrong. To right. You're like tell, you're like, who am I to yeah, me? <laughs> yeah, who am I? I'm not qualified for this. Like mm-hmm. um sharing the story like at a hospital though, that was I never had yeah. that uh that sense of things. Mm-hmm. Okay. But cool. yeah, that was kind of that whole story. Yeah. So that. you start so you start going through that and and then I mean now shoot, how many years? Later, five years, now, yeah, five years that, later now, right? You go years. to college and kind of find your way through college and graduate and start uh, living on your own. And still, you said you spoke at a church yesterday, so mm-hmm. you're still doing that. But yeah, yep, shared my story mm-hmm. with uh, a congregation in Pryor, Oklahoma, just about everything I've gone through, and even more, just like just sharing like my testimony, me finding Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. after that too. Because like mm-hmm. I would say, I grew up as a in a Christian household, right. But there was also a sense of like you've got to actually yourself like find God. You have to make your faith your own, man. Like you do, it's, you do, and it's and it's a real struggle. And that's why it's a little bit of an awkward moment for me when people are like, when the aspect of being raised in a Christian home, it almost and and you always heard that as a kid. But I was like, I was like, whatever, man. Like I roll at that, <laughs> and and then but you know, I really, I really like you. I really made mine like my own towards the end of college, and. Um, like really made it my own. Like yeah. I, I maybe had some of that in high school, but really didn't make it my own um, and, and face those challenges. And, and so in some sense, I'm always like, you know, it's almost like a little bit of a hindrance sometimes to be in that Christian world growing yeah. up because you just almost inherit it. And then a lot of, I think a lot of people, then they, they go out, it gets challenged and they really haven't made it their own, but they face that pressure of like, is this what you believe? And they fall apart and they're like, I don't believe it anymore. Right. And, but I don't know if there's anything, but I would definitely prefer to be raised in a Christian home for a variety of reasons. So it's just a weird moment, you know, and and there's nothing you can do about it. So like, you just got to kind of, you just got to kind of go through it. You got to go through mm -hmm. it. I mean, in being challenged, that's like, that's where Mm -hmm. growth happens when you're challenged in your Mm -hmm. faith, in your physical recovery and whatever it is, Mm -hmm. if you do want to see growth, you do have to go through like, whatever challenge that is. And kind of what happened in my life with that was I was listening to a, I think a sermon and the guy asked two questions. He asked, he said on a scale from one to 10, how confident are you going to go to heaven? Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, I think I was like working for my mom. It was like during Christmas break and I'm changing a light bulb. <laughs> and I had like, they own like a physical yeah. therapy chiropractic center. And I'm like, I kind of thought to myself, I was like, oh, I don't know, like seven, mm-hmm. I guess. And then he asked a follow-up question. He said, okay, um, scale from, or 
if you did die, say you go to bed tonight, you don't wake up or you wake up in heaven in the morning and you're at the gates and God says, so why should I let you in? Mm-hmm. Like you gave, like yesterday you gave me a seven or yeah. an eight or whatever, whatever number you gave me. Why should, should I let you come into the kingdom? Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm sitting there I'm like, I'm a good person. Like right. I do a lot of good stuff. I see a piece <laughs> of trash. I pick it up. I try, I try my hardest. Mm-hmm. Like I do my best. I'm changing light bulbs for free for my mom right now. Like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? Why should you let me in? And uh, that was just my thoughts. And then it was explained to me. It was crazy because it's 22 years old, growing mm-hmm. up in a Christian household. The gospel obviously yeah. being shared with me over and over and over again. But and by the way, we make it clear: it's no fault of like your upbringing, or no, your parents, no, no. or my parents. It's, you know, just want to be sure we cover our bases. It's not. It's not <laughs> a fault of anyone. It's not like oh, my parents shortchanged me. I think it's more just a fact of no matter how good you preach the gospel, it takes you wrestling well, with it to have that resonation. Anyways, I mean, what were you saying? And even Sorry. like to back that point, like mm-hmm. like look at preachers' kids. Like yeah. you think they don't hear the gospel? Reputation like, is usually the worst. And, and like so. look at yeah, look at the stereotype behind that. And uh-huh. It's like it's. It's like, what do you just, do? Where's yeah. the answer to that? And mm-hmm. I don't have an answer. I don't think there is um, one. I think it's just how things go, man. Yeah. And so I, I, uh, I'm asked these two questions mm-hmm. and I'm like a seven and he, the key, the guy, it was funny cause his, his number, he, when someone asked him was a seven and mm-hmm. they said, you know, did, did, did God die for 70% of your sins? Mm-hmm. Like what's, like, mm-hmm. what about the other 30%? And it was like, right. how confident? And then, then he kind of went into sharing the gospel through that. It's like, like one through nine are the same, right? Yeah, like it's all the same. If you're a zero or a nine, like you, you don't understand the gospel. Mm-hmm. But then he kind of went into, you know, why should he let me in? He shouldn't. Like there's yeah. no reason God should let me into his kingdom. Yeah, I'm, but, I'm, I can work the hard. I can be the hardest working and the the best, most stand up citizen. And guess what? I'm still, yeah, you know, a depraved sinner. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so that's what like, man, that, that just like blew my mind. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, I'm it's it's bigger than me. Like, yeah. Like, and so I guess that's when my faith really like came alive in mm-hmm. me and shared the gospel. You know, you get into heaven by believing Jesus Christ as your savior. He died on that cross for your sins. So mm-hmm. you don't have to pay for them in eternity Yeah, in hell. Yeah. And the and action so, has been done. There's nothing yeah. for you to do. Exactly. But, you know, put your faith in him. Right. That's something exactly. I've been hearing lately. And it's like, we talk about it like, you know, it's ongoing and it's like, no, 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 this has been done. It's been atoned for. It's just ready for you to to really accept it. Right. And even yeah. then you're not even really doing anything. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's done. And kind of wrapping that back around too, is like, ORU was such a great place for me, for yeah. someone like who, you know, grew up in a Christian home and I would, you know, I could, I could argue with you about God and why Israel mm-hmm. and why Jesus was this and yeah. bring out scripture. But I was surrounded at ORU with such like great Christian community mm-hmm. for four years. Like my, my roommate, I, I had potluck roommate at ORU, like a great Christian guy, loves the Lord. And like, I, you know, I was a knucklehead, like doing, <laughs> yeah. you know, doing these good works to get into heaven. And like, you know, if I did something wrong, I just had to do two more right things to be better. <laughs> and he just like, he like the patience like he had with me and like, he like truly lived out the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I just had so many of those friends at ORU who like lived out the gospel. And mm-hmm. it was like, that was just like another reason that's like, man, what I've had that at, at Campbell University in North Carolina. Right. Like what I've had that community on a, re- on a wrestling team, on a wrestling at, team at a, at a secular university mm-hmm. where there's drinking, nah, man, all that. You'd stuff. have been like me. You would have caught your case of the lefties, and hopefully, and then hopefully you would have come out of it, right? <laughs> so that's what I that's what I joke about. Is like I had a couple years in college. I I, I say I caught my case of the lefties, and kind of <laughs> like you know I, I kind of for me it was like a 
I had to walk away a little bit or, or almost not even walk away, but like apathy away. Um, because I never was like, no, like, screw you, God. It was just like, oh, I don't know, whatever, what's going on. Right. Like just kind of a laziness. And then, and, and then like to get like hit over the head and kind of get woken up kind of like with you, but I don't, uh-huh. I don't have a specific moment necessarily, but it was more just like, there was, there was, there was some good conversations, some good, hard conversations with some good Christian people. And it was just like, all of a sudden it hit me and I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm either, I'm either like, I'm over here just being like, yeah, oh yeah, I'm a Christian and doing absolutely nothing, living however I want. And I was like, no, 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 no. we got to figure this out. Like warm, man. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so I'm a wake up moment, but. mm -hmm. And I think people respect that too. And you're either, you know, hot or cold, like Mm -hmm. in this world, you know, if you're in or out and. And it's all, and like you said, it's all or nothing. One through nine is the same. Yeah. It's you're so you're either a zero or you're a ten. It's Ricky Bobby. If you ain't first, you're last. All right. <laughs> and, and even like for like living in that mm-hmm. that lukewarm air, I heard this guy. He was talking about the fence. Mm-hmm. You know, you're living on the fence. Right. Are you a Christian or not? And this guy, he had a dream, and he was he was on a fence, and on the left was God, and mm-hmm. on the right was Satan. Mm-hmm. And he looks at God, and he's like. Man, that that looks nice. Like, like, mm-hmm. like I hope I'm on. I hope I'm on that side. Right. Well, he looks at Satan. And he's like, maybe I am. On, maybe I am on like God's side. Mm-hmm. He looks at Satan, and he's like, I know I didn't pick that side. Right. Like I know that's not where I belong. Mm-hmm. We said then you know kind of the God side leaves, and Satan side leaves, and all these like different you know people go separate ways, mm-hmm. and he's still sitting on the fence. And he's like, mm-hmm. what side am I on? Right. We said then Satan comes back. He's like, hey, I own the fence. You're oh. with me. And he's like. <laughs> He has like a wake up call for him. Wow. Like, man, like I, I was living my life on mm-hmm. the fence mm-hmm. versus being 100% for God and, mm-hmm. you know, a radical Christian if there is such thing. Right. Right. And so, I don't know, that's kind of mm-hmm. another part of my testimony. Another right. part of like when faith came alive mm-hmm. and, um, you know, a testimony of like miraculous healing and also just a testimony of like the prodigal son and God pursuing you even when mm-hmm. you're necessarily not like chasing after him. Um, super right. cool. So, uh, I, I guess, I mean, kind of wrap up with um, kind of just an overall summary, I guess, of like, because there's a lot that happened there. So, but you maybe, maybe if there's a, you know, maybe a, a sentence or a paragraph or just a little um, blurb on kind of like looking back now, because now you're years removed from that. Like, yeah. looking back and, you know, you, you already touched on a lot of things that you see, but, um, I kind of want to, and this, you may not have an answer for this question because this is the hardest, <laughs> this is arguably the hardest question, right? Yeah. So you, you went through and, you know, you received this, you, you had this miraculous story. Um, uh, but I guess maybe, but awkwardly, not everyone always gets, you know, their miracle, right? Yeah. And so, and, and but you have a certain perspective and it's like, I don't know, I, my question would be, I guess, what would your message be to someone who's maybe looking at you? And, but they're not getting that same result, like, and, and, and they don't understand why they're not getting. And they're like, why, you know, why Billy? Why not me? Yeah. And I, I mean, I would, I would say kind of a quote I said earlier, weakness is your advantage. Mm-hmm. Like, like you take someone who's been divorced and lost kids and living a life of Job. Yeah. See if they're closer to God versus mm-hmm. someone who has everything they want. You know, right. take a celebrity who has all this money, mm-hmm. has everything the world could want versus someone who's paralyzed in a hospital with no right. family and asked me on, on average, obviously you have outliers, mm-hmm. which one is closer to God, right? Which one is constantly pursuing and dependent on him in every single way. Mm-hmm. And which one is thinks, thinks that they have this success because of themselves. Yeah. 
And I, I would say, you know, nine times out of 10, it's, it's the guy on the mm-hmm. left. It's the guy who, who is paralyzed, who mm-hmm. his life isn't going away. He's in a right. valley. He doesn't understand. And even there's, there's a, a preacher or a motivational speaker. I don't even remember his name, but he has no arms, no legs. And oh yeah. I know you're talking about so joyful, mm-hmm. so happy. So just like living his life to Nick glorify something. God. Yeah, it's Nick. I, I can't remember it either. But like he just, he glorifies God in every single way. And mm-hmm. it's in another, another, another thing I always say is, you know, I'd rather be, I'd rather be in a hard valley, tough place mm-hmm. with God yeah. than on top of the world without God. Mm-hmm. Like, like, yeah. And, and, and even for me, like I went through this, I got healed. I have this miraculous recovery, this awesome, crazy story. Um, and God was with me through it all. And so it, it, it can be hard to hear. It's like whenever you hear someone who's married talk about how mm. great singleness is. Right. right. It's like, it's like oh, yeah, I bet, I bet, it, I bet singleness is great because you're, you're married or someone who's you know, extremely overweight. And they talk about what you need to do to get in the gym or going mm-hmm. to a dentist who mm-hmm. has bad teeth. It's like it's hard to hear that from someone who, mm-hmm. you know, who has seen the results that you want to see. Right. But I would just ask you know, yourself to challenge yourself and like, like, is this growing me closer to God? Mm-hmm. Because I don't think in in a hundred years, whenever you're you've passed away and you're in heaven, you're gonna say, "Man, like, like I wish I was. I wish I would have been completely healed on heaven." Right. Like, I don't think Job looks back on his mm-hmm. life and thinks, "Man, I I wish I wouldn't have went through that." Mm-hmm. Like I think if you asked Job, you got to heaven and said, "Man, so so tell me about like what that was like." He'd be mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I haven't I haven't thought about that in twenty five hundred years." Like, yeah. Like I think when you get to heaven and you have this mm-hmm. eternal mindset you don't really focus on mm. on what happened on earth i think earth i think we will look at earth as how right now maybe we look at a baby in a womb mm-hmm. you know how often do you think about those nine months when you were right. in a womb you don't and i mm-hmm. think when we get to heaven i don't think we will think about our time on earth it'll just be you know a, a grain of sand it, you'll, it'll everything. be laughable it's like how we look back on our high school selves and all the yeah. stuff we cared about and like that that was so stupid like yeah I, that was that was meaningless <laughs> in, in, the, in the grand scheme of my life right and well exactly. when i think um you know in this last season of the chosen they had that moment where the disciple little james who has you know some disorder with his walk he can't walk right and walk well and he's a little bit crippled but he can get around and he like talk. He has a conversation with Jesus about like, I see you heal all these people, and Jesus is like, Do you want me to heal you? And then they have that hard conversation, and he's like, How much more is it a testament to someone's faith, in spite of not being healed, mm-hmm. that they hold true to God? And then, and then I think, How much greater can a testimony be, and how much more can you see? Like you said, How much more can you see God work, and you just haven't seen it yet, right? Yeah. Like you, you Israel had to wander in the desert for forty years before they saw the promised land, right? And exactly. They, and I'm sure a lot of them looked back. And now we can look back on all, all these moments throughout Scripture where it's like, it's easy for us to see the fruits of whatever hardship, whatever hot, hard time. You know, we see how God was shaping people and how he was working and using that, their situation, as a testimony for us now or people later on. But right. you got to remember, like, in the moment, they couldn't see that, right? It took Moses what, 80 years before he, you know, came, took over Israel, like his whole life. You got to think about it. Like grew up in Egypt and then he killed a man. He runs away, spends 40 years himself in the desert, creates a whole new life for himself. And then he encounters God and then he goes to save his people. Like I think about that and I'm always like, man, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope there's purpose in my life. It doesn't take that long. I'm always like, I'm hope I'm not on the Moses plan. But the point being is like, you know, it's hard 
it can be hard for those people, but I think it's like, yeah. you just got to, you know, and that's, that's where your faith comes in. So, but, but I love that answer. That was a great answer. So yeah. and, any, uh, any final thoughts or, or wrap up around your yeah, story? I mean, right. I, I just think, you know, those people like Moses, like Joe, you know, the someone who is paralyzed living their whole life or even in mm-hmm. singleness, loneliness, like, like, like you have a crown in heaven, mm-hmm. like, and you have a large crown in heaven mm-hmm. and like, like God is, you know, he's there, you know, and if you reach out for him, you ask for him, like he will reveal himself. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's all I got. Appreciate awesome, you dude. Me on. Thanks. Almost two hours. <laughs> that was fun. That was I am right. You're a champion. So great job. Thanks for coming on, Billy. Though. Um, look forward to the next time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Maybe it'll be a casual chat and <laughs> <laughs> not telling your life story. <laughs> I'm here for all it. Right. See ya. Well, there you go, folks. I hope you enjoyed that. If you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. And I would love to get your feedback. Because I know one thing is, is um, you know, he, he was pretty chill about it, but it's, it's no small feat to come on a public podcast like this and share a very difficult story like that. And even when you come out on the other side, all right, like he did, you know? And so I, I would love um, that if this, you know, just to hear how this story impacted you, what you got from it, so I could share that feedback with him. Um, and so he can see, you know, the difference that the impact that, his his story and his testimony can have because I know a lot of times we talk about something you've talked about this on the pod obviously it can feel like it's like I'm you know no nobody's listening why 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 bother with my story now maybe not in his case but I feel like that a lot and then people say like oh that really helped me encouraging was like really dumb old me but yeah um so be sure to share this around let me know your feedback. If you have your own blessing from tragedy, you want to come and share. And no, it doesn't have to be a severe spinal injury with a miraculous recovery. It can be something, quote unquote, more minor. Because we all go through tragedies in our lives at different levels and at different times. But um, I think in all of them, blessings can be found, growth can be found, and good can ultimately come through them, right? Like he talked about, that was his big struggle for over a year afterwards was what, why, why me, why this, what was the purpose? And it took him a while for that to unfold. And so that's one of the biggest lessons through all of this, that in the midst of those things that we just have patience, that when they work themselves out, that God will use those um, in some way to further his kingdom for his glory and to help encourage other people. And I think it's very clear to see that that Billy story is one of those stories that does that. And it it kind of expanded his purview uh, on on life. So yeah, uh, I want to thank you all for listening. And I I hope you... uh, I hope you send me your feedback. I hope you share this around. Uh, post it on face. I, I'll post the episode obviously on Facebook and Instagram. So feel free to share my posts. It's Rambling Viking Podcast. You can DM me there. You can text message me personally. You can DM me personally. Whatever you want to do, you can email me. There's always a little voice memo link in the description below. But um, that'll do it for this episode of Blessings from Tragedy here on the Rambling Viking Podcast and eventually on the podcast Blessings from Tragedy. I now have to do, do dual intros and outros, so be sure to go and leave uh, leave a rating for the show. Um, that helps boost the show and, and build an audience. And if you want to hear more Blessings from Tragedy, you can go back through and I would recommend... There should be a search function when you go to my podcast page on whatever podcast platform you're at. Just search Blessing from tra- Blessings from Tragedy. 
and it'll bring up. Last year, I did a whole bevy of episodes, I think nine or 10 episodes with some incredible stories, several of that were friends of mine growing up, several that, um, you know, with my mother-in-law and her 26 years with leukemia and an adoption story of a friend of mine I met in Denver, and a lot of incredible stories that are really, really encouraging and show that, yeah, um, even despite whatever, you know, tragedy will befall us in some way, shape or form at some point in our lives, but it's not the end of the world. We're not alone. We'll get through. And if we can have the right perspective, we can actually find, um, great blessings and, and we'll see God's hidden hand all over the situation, right? And how he'll work seemingly through something bad, like with Billy's feeding tube incident to bring about uh, something good or to highlight something. That's how they found his collapsed lung. Or it's like, it's like they wouldn't have done that, had to do an x-ray. Who knows how long he would have gone, right? And so it's like, wow, that sucks that you had to have that, but that was actually a good thing. And so that's just a little micro example in the grand scheme of things. But um, yeah, I'm rambling way too much now. That was a great episode. I want to thank you for making it that far. Please share this around, tell your friends. And if you want to be on the podcast, um, Please let me know if you have a story that you would like to tell. I would love to 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 have you on to tell this and continue to encourage people as we can build hopefully a, a strong community and a positive culture. But that'll do it for me. That'll do it for this episode. I want to thank you so much for being a part of the Hanyak Horde. This is your head Hanyak signing off. <laughs>